And uh, welcome to the One Shot Podcast. And I'm going to do the intro today, Tyler. Okay. So so go ahead and sit back. In fact, I actually, I'll sit back because I'm enjoying this this middle seat. You're that kind Darren of the captain occupies. today. Yeah, you're in the captain's good. chair. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I'm excited today. I've got a, we've got a special, special guest here today. And actually, we talked last week, Tyler, we talked a little bit about our story and, mm-hmm. you know, working in the dark and that whole process. And, and a common theme from that was you can't do anything alone. And there's people that have come along in your life and, and they make a huge impact on you. And the person we're talking to today made a huge impact on me. And he kind of caught me at a time in my life when I was making the transition. You know, mm-hmm. something we didn't really talk about last week. But I was making the transition away from football. Didn't really have a direction. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And the man we're talking to today gave me my first opportunity in the real world. Quote, unquote, real world. And uh, taught me how to be... A better leader taught me how to be a better husband taught me how to be i wasn't a father then but the lessons he taught me helped me be a better father Mm -hmm. and i'm not joking when i say this just because you're here still to this day the best boss i've ever had and i'm talking about travis DeSisso, the greatest boss on planet earth (laughs) (laughs) what's up travis man welcome to the podcast thank you wow yeah that's humbling to hear for sure no absolutely i i I, again not just because you're here i tell people all the time that the things I learned from that first gig out of college, uh, I still implement those lessons. There, and you were a huge part of that. Well, uh, I don't know you, if you man. remember me. Of course I do. Coming so, to the interview. So, and- <laughs> I, so I think, to me, Ben looks like Captain America. <laughs> and so I, how do you say no to Captain America? Yeah. Coming Was he wearing puka shells still at that time? <laughs> <laughs> we have some pictures, multiple pictures of Ben wearing puka shells. And I just figure when he came from Abilene to Dallas, right. I assumed he was still yeah. wearing. Oh, he for sure. Was. For sure. sure. And the job I'm referring to, we've touched on it here as well. I was in the mm-hmm. fitness industry. I was a personal trainer for five years and then eventually in management. And Travis was, at the time, the personal training manager for that particular club. Now you're like... What's your official it's title? It's crazy. So now I'm the vice president of personal training for Equinox. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like corporate. Corporate, like I under, know. How many, how many locations do you have? So there's 105. 105 Dang. locations. Across, across the U.S., And, Canada, and he, he did say London. Equinox, which most of you listening to this have heard of Equinox. It's the yeah. most prestigious club. See how I said club? Because I know. You, Fitness club. You hate when people say gym. Not a gym. <laughs> Fitness club. <laughs> so that's a pretty important title. When I was there, he was more regional, more over that, that club. Mm-hmm. And the interview process, at least one phase of the interview, is you're sitting there, and I've got Travis there, I've got one of the other, two of the other managers there, and then the club general manager. Mm-hmm. So it's this panel of just elite, yeah, yeah. elite <laughs> fitness professionals, and I'm brand new, no clue what I'm doing. Nervous as is all get out. Is this after the furniture job? This is after the furniture okay. job, yeah. So uh-huh. I'd studied exercise science. That. Yeah, yeah, I'd studied exercise science in college, but I never had a real job in the right. field. So this is my first job. And like I said, having to talk to Travis and, and he was, obviously he was great, but it, it was very intimidating. So, yeah. uh, and then that led to a five year, like I said, a five year journey there, which eventually I've moved on and gotten real estate. But, uh, Travis would, you know, was a huge part of my success there and taught me how to business develop, you know, taught me sales, taught me you know, everything I need to know about the business. So you're responsible really for bringing Darren into (laughs) Ben's life. So ultimately you started this podcast. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? (laughs) You, you implemented the beginning of the end for me. Travis is officially the founder of Uh, the one shot. There we go. (laughs) But anyway, that's enough nice stuff about Travis. Let's get into what we will typically do, which is 
we want to talk about your journey, Travis, because sure. again, you didn't just end up in a place where you impacted a bunch of lives like mine and it didn't just happen for you. There was a whole journey up to that point. And that's what we want to learn about. Okay. Uh, you, like I said, you're one of the best leaders I know. I want to lo- learn about your leadership style and how you approach that and how you've been able to impact so many people. Uh, you have a, a pretty interesting personal story with your family and something that not a lot of parents, unfortunately, have to go through that, that you've navigated well and you guys are doing awesome and, and it sounds like your kids are doing well as well so excited to dive into all that there's a lot of stuff that we can throw out today so uh but let's start with the beginning man where are you from okay tell us about life growing up sure what family life was like let's start there okay so so i'm the third oldest of six kids uh and my parents are both in the army whenever i was when i was really young actually mm-hmm. uh so we traveled around i was born in germany traveled along around quite a bit whenever i was young uh, I don't really remember the army at that point, though, because I was so young, mm-hmm. uh, and my parents split up uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, and it, that's a whole other crazy story, because nine years later, they ended up getting back together, go figure. I didn't know that. I know. It's, wow. It's pretty wild. Still story. together today? They're still together today. Wow. What's crazy I about that. it is, I, I, so I saw them, when did I see them? I, I saw them around the 4th of July, mm-hmm. and I swear my wife and I were looking at each other like... Who are these people? Right. <laughs> so they're, it's like they're, they're more together now than they ever were, which I don't really understand. Mm. I'm not brave enough to even ask them, to be honest with you, <laughs> because they were not yeah. together when mm. I was a kid. Um, was, anyway. it a, was it a, like you witnessed contentious relationship? Oh, like, 100%. was it obvious? Okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And then he was gone. Then, I mean, he was gone. Mm. I didn't hear from him, see him. Nine years, oh. so he was gone. Okay, so he, he left, he like gone. stayed with your mom full time. Yep, so six kids with my mom Okay. Uh, in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was that. That's an impactful surface, age for a young, ma- young man, boy, right? Elementary school to then not have a father figure oh, yeah. in so the I'm, house. I'm four years old, four or five years old. Dang. Until the time I was about. 13. Older two siblings, brothers or sisters? Uh, both brothers. Both brothers, okay. All right, so two older brothers. Two older brothers. Which I'm assuming kind of assumed that role for you. Oh, or my did, oldest brother. Or did for you sure. step into? So my oldest brother essentially became, okay. you know, the, the leader yeah. of the family, really. Mm. Man. And it's not your story necessarily to tell from, you know, his story, sure. right? But what was that like for him, do you think, at oh, the time? Oh, my goodness. Man, I don't know. Because so my mom was pregnant uh, at that time with, with my little sister, baby sister now. Um, so, I mean, he's nine, uh, and he was the one that actually changing diapers, feeding. I mean, it, it was a tough situation. But. Yeah. And mom working full time? Uh, mom working okay. uh, a lot. Uh, I think she was trying to go to school. Okay. She was trying to work, trying to get her life together, really. Yeah. yeah. What kind of mom was she? Uh, she was great. She was tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, look, I. Now, as a parent, I look back and I'm like, I, I don't know how she did it no. with six kids. Uh, here, here's the other interesting thing about it, and, and it, I guess it's just coming up for me, so I'll just share. I guess this becomes therapy almost, right? I, yeah. Literally, we, t- we say that all the time. I, it's so funny. Yeah. So, just, so lay I, back, just lay back here. So I'm, I'm, uh, my father is black. My mm-hmm. mom's white. Mm-hmm. So now here she is where she's from, which is predominantly a, a white community mm-hmm. with six black kids. Yeah. Right. And so I can't imagine what that was like really for her. Well, the first layer is single parent. Yeah. Six kids. The second layer, as you mentioned, it's not your typical demographic of family right. or, you know, the combination of family. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've got two boys, you know, thankfully a wife to help support, and, and I support her, and I can't imagine two boys right. by myself, much less six kids working full-time. So what, what types of jobs did she do? How did she support oh the family? Oh, my goodness. To be honest, I don't, even, I don't even really remember that period of my life very well. I, I know that she worked, she worked at the public library at one point. She did nurses' aid. I mean, she did a lot of different jobs yeah. at, at the so, whole time. So your dad comes back into your life, at, and then you were how old again? 13 years old. 13 years old. What was that like? That, it, was, it was quite the experience because I, I really don't remember. I didn't remember him yeah. at all. Yeah, true. And then all of a sudden, one day he was there. It wasn't like they communicated with us, hey, we've been talking. Yeah. I mean, he just showed up, mm. and, and he was there. So it was, and it was just like back to normal, like we're going to – Life as usual was it? I mean, I, they. How do you go from yeah. now? She's the person who's running the house. To now you have two people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they butted heads like yeah. It was terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible. Um, but I mean, I, I will say, it was better than him not being around. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. he still in the military? No. At this point, no, what was he, he doing? He got out. He he he's got a whole another story. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, he probably needs to tell himself really. Sure. But, so he was drafted into Vietnam, which is. Which in and of itself is crazy. He's 19 years old when that happened. So I I can only imagine. He he had a really hard, Mm -hmm. hard life. Um, So he he did two stints in the military. Mm -hmm. After he was drafted, he got out. After he got back from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. At some point, he went back in, uh, at least up until the time that I was born. After that, he got out. And and I don't really know why Mm -hmm. or or what the situation was then. So three boys that are the oldest. Right. he comes back in. Was there? Was it like, all right, cool, dad's home, thank you, or was it like, hold on, like we've we've had to keep this together as as young boys and men? Was there resentment towards him when he came oh, I'm back? Sure that, was I'm, there, I'm sure that there was. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it, it's almost like the three oldest boys, mm-hmm. right? Both my brothers and I had one family life situation mm-hmm. and then my three younger siblings had another because most of their life they had him yeah for my oldest brother he must have been 16 17 years old when he came back nine mm-hmm. when he when he left so 16 17 or so when he came back and you know and then he was there for about a year and then he went on in and, mm-hmm. and graduated school and he went to college for a year and then he, did, he went to the navy mm-hmm. for for several years so you know they didn't really have a lot of time together. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the dynamic with your siblings. Like, what was what was it like? Were you all into sports? Was there, like, competitive? I mean, I can only imagine the battles between boys, right? Like, <laughs> you know, there really wasn't because I think we were in such survival mode okay. as, a, as a unit, just trying to get through. Mm-hmm. So we were very active. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest two brothers did not really get to play sports. I, I got into sports early on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the younger siblings all got into sports as well. Um, we were very active, though. So sports was a part of our lives, mm-hmm. but that was just so we could stay out of trouble. Yeah. So the whole neighborhood would get together. We'd play baseball, soccer, football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were a little aggressive, so everybody stopped coming in to play football because they were, <laughs> they were getting beat up. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but ultimately, we were very active. Um, but it, but I, I would say that, that for the, my older two brothers – Without sports, it, it was very different for them than it was for me. Sports yeah. actually became my my outlet. 
Okay. All right. Kind of a weird discussion, but Darren always talks about, you know, he grew up in inner city Phoenix and, you know, single mother, somewhat similar to you and, you know, very, very low income. And he said, I don't really remember being poor though. Like it didn't, it, it just, everybody was the way it was. Did that strike you at all? Does it, do you remember, like, what was your relationship with, with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think we were, we were the poorest kids on Sesame Street. I know that it was. Uh, so we we were definitely in project housing. Where where I noticed though is on the school bus because there were two things that stood out to me that that really helped me feel separate. Besides the way that I looked, right? One was free lunches at school, right? And so we were on the free lunch program. You had to have a card, and so that was always tough because my friends are are either they brought their lunches yeah. or they're paying cash for their yeah. lunch. And here mm-hmm. I am trying to slide you yeah. know, my card and don't yeah. mess up and lose your card because <laughs> then you don't get to eat. Right. Right? right. right. So that was tough. And then two, when you get to my neighborhood, everything looks the same, right? From a school bus perspective. Right. So you have all these, everybody else has these nice custom homes. Or at least yeah. it looks, looks different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The project houses, it all looks the same. Yeah. Right. And so, so I definitely knew. Yeah. We you were, were we were yeah. what was the city again? I know you said Arkansas was uh, it? What, it was Missouri 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 sorry yeah, Missouri West, West Plains Missouri okay Come where on. is that in Missouri so south central Missouri just across the Arkansas border okay um near Springfield Missouri gotcha okay gotcha now you were and we'll get into this in a second you were a heck of a football player and a heck of an athlete so when did the love for sports when did that start just kind of always when, when did you get into that you know I think I was always a fast runner right that that helped me out quite a bit so Somehow I ran cross country in fifth <laughs> Wouldn't grade. Wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. I know. I had no business. I, I had a lot of 14th and 15th places <laughs> from that. Cross country a was, lot of wasn't, DNP, cross, wasn't cross country a football season usually? Wasn't it fall? So that was in fifth grade, though, and it yeah. was. I didn't start playing football until I was 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Your Probably brain, your brain thanks Smart. you for that. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, so, so that was just because I could run. Yeah. Right? And it got mm. me to do something. I had mm. no business running cross country. <laughs> uh, but that's where I started. And then I remember in, uh, in, it must've been what, sixth, seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, my PE teacher was one of the high school football coaches. He said, you should come out and play football. You're fast. Mm. I actually didn't know anything about football. Really? Right? I, I truly, I'm not kidding when I say I was surviving, right? I didn't oh, know yeah. anything about the game of football. So I actually went to the library <clears throat> read up on the game no of football. way however i read the wrong books man i read from like early on so <laughs> the wing t right so i my whole idea what football was was you know leather helmets you this know? is so surprising knowing who you are now i know it and how athletic you are and knowing that you had to literally research in the I library research that's and, and hilarious see, i love that though right? like, that's, we literally talked about this last week the brain power deal, yeah. like how you yeah. exercise your brain, like actually going and researching and what that does. And, you know, whether it's the right or wrong content or relevant content or not, you were still learning. Right? I love the proactivity and by you. Yeah, to do that. exactly. <laughs> like yeah. the initiative. So what did you, so then what were your, because again, for me, from the time I can remember, it was, I want to be a professional athlete. Tyler was the same way. Same. He talks about Tom four, years old. four years old. Yeah, four years old. I want to be a football yeah. player. So for you, what was, what was life so I wanted to be an Olympian. I wanted to be an okay. Olympic runner. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was all the way up to the point that I played football, and even after that. Yeah. Uh, but it was I wanted to be an Olympic runner. 
Who was who were the famous? Uh, I'm assuming Sprinter, right? Mm-hmm. You said you didn't like I was Jesse Sprinter. Owens. You didn't like the was it Jesse Owens. Was it, was it? Carl Lewis. Carl, Carl Lewis. Lewis was yeah. That's the, that time. Yeah, that's and uh, what's his name? Out Michael, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. Was, Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Carl Lewis was a Carl little Lewis bit before. Was, was, was through the 80s. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, later before. 80s. When were you born? Johnson. 82. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, us old heads. You were 83. 84. 84. Okay. So Carl Lewis. So Olympic. So you're you were 90, like, you're a '90s baby, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm '80s, '87. <laughs> Cut the tail end. So yeah, yeah. So you were like, I'm gonna be a sprinter one. I'm gonna right. be. I'm gonna have that gold medal around my yeah, neck. Right. That was you. That was it. Okay. So what? You know. So you introduced introduced to football. You went and researched in the library. I love that. <laughs> What I, I want to hear, okay, so everybody always has a first football practice. I was, that was just like, that's where I was going. Was, what was that first, that first contact day, like? like that? Like. You know what? So, so I don't remember my first practice. I remember the first practice that really stands out to me uh-huh. was, I don't know what it's like for you guys. I feel like everybody has the, you know, to get a drink of water, you have to run yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah, two yeah. miles yeah. to get a drink of water from yeah. a little PVC. I was say the, the PVC, <laughs> yeah. the, the metal, was a metal, you metal PVC or plastic No, we PVC? had we had the plastic ours PVC. Plastic. Ours, was, yeah. ours was a 40-year-old metal one, so we got our, our <laughs> dose of iron and, my, and of hydration. My left arm still goes numb every now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so, so we, that water. Were, we were down from the local dog food factory, so every few oh. weeks there was a boil order in effect, right? <laughs> So now we, you couldn't drink the water, right? No, or you no water today, boys. Drink the water. You weren't supposed to, but guys would say, well. Yeah. You know, I mean, my I dad's mean, crazy. Part. So my dad grew up in, in uh, the Bay Area, Richmond. And in high school, they used to have buckets of water out there. They didn't have the, the PVC, and they would have a rag in the bucket, and you would grab the oh. rag, and you would <laughs> squeeze the rag in your mouth, and then throw it back in the bucket. It. Oh. And it was out there all practice. Like, that's how they got water. Wow. My, like, back in the day when it truly was water makes you weak. Well, the, my dad was, they, would, they said he would get a, a little cup. yeah Dixie cup. Tie, one cup, cup per practice and two salt tablets. Yeah, that's dad, all they got. So he so said after practice, they're going to the locker room and just turn on the shower and oh, just yeah. drink from the dad, shower. Your dad was so rich. Dude, yeah. Well, yeah. Dixie cups. Well, well our, our coaches used to have those Dixie cups, and they have ice in it with oh. their water and Gatorade. Yeah. And they'd be done. I promise they did this on purpose. Oh, yeah. They'll toss the ice. <laughs> right? And it's like fumble, right? Everyone piles in for, a, Get that for ice. a thing of ice. Dig it through the grass. <laughs> so I know this isn't about me, but I'm going to make it about me. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty typical. I've never shared this before. Middle school, seventh grade football was my first time playing ball, and I was scared to death mm-hmm. of contact. Like, and that was the time when Bloody Alley was a thing. Do y'all know what Bloody Alley is? One-on-one, just running that to was, each other? That was a fear of mine as well. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Then let's talk about yours because mine was. <laughs> Remind me to share a video with you about this <laughs> because we've all done the. <laughs> one, two, three. Shit. Hey, you want to go in front, front of me? Okay, so maybe I'm not. So maybe I'm not yes. weird. It's a big circle. Everybody's done it. It's a big That's circle. Bull the whole ring. team. That's bull in the ring. Bull in the ring. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. And you got two guys in their back. The coach blows the whistle. You get up. Now you're talking about Oklahoma. Other. You're mixing up all these drills. You, you Whatever it is. Drills. Whatever it is. I would always slide back to the back of that that circle and never volunteer. I was scared to death oh, of getting man. in that circle. Oh, I, there, was always, there was always those like two or three guys, right? They and were I was always more mature and just had that heavy head, right? Oh. <laughs> and you remember looking through the helmet the first time and you're like, I can't see anything. <laughs> like I literally can't see anything. Because I played, I, I don't know if you guys had them, but we had the ones where the face masks were plastic, the thick plastic oh, ones. Yeah. Do you remember oh, those? Yeah, yeah. And so you literally, like, you couldn't see anything yeah. through those. And then I just remember just, like, it bouncing it around. Bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> and 
But I remember that those kids that were like more mature than everybody yeah. else were literally like a hammer. Well, we, it was like, how do you do that? I grew up in West Texas, very heavily Hispanic community. Yeah. And Hispanics, you know, they Mustaches seem to mature. Yeah, they're, they're, they're shaving in fifth grade. <laughs> so that's who I'm having to go. I'm having to go against this dude who's been shaving since he was six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know what hair looks like. <laughs> well, that's what we, so, so we had this cage, right? Uh-huh. And, and guys were, so I'm, I'm running past the high school uh-huh. practice and then mm-hmm. you've got two guys on either side with the big line, you know, and, and they run and it literally is, looks like two bulls. Yeah. As soon as they get that cage, they drop and they just go helmet to helmet Ugh. and a piece of helmet comes flying across the field, but <laughs> right? it almost hits me. And at that point I made up my mind. I'm getting through this season because I don't want to quit. Yep. I'm never playing football again. <laughs> and I'm never going to play in high school. For Certainly sure, no. Um, yeah. I just want to run a straight line. Yeah. Nobody hitting me. What did you, you play know, that year? What position did you play? Uh, that year I played wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, there wide receiver, go. and I was the backup Stick them out there, let them run. There you I know. go. Yeah. yeah. yeah but it's a, just, like, now coaching, right, and, and I coach my kids flag football. But you like you're around these other dads that are coaches because when you're a kid you're like these guys know everything <laughs> like everything about the sport right. like they're like they know what they're talking about and then now as a parent you get there and you're like they have no freaking no. clue <laughs> now back in the day when there's even less where you have to go to the library to right, learn right. about football like now these dads just do YouTube training Huddle, videos right yeah, yeah. and so but like. Yeah, put your head down. Go on. I mean, the stuff that they used to tell us on how to make contact. Bend at the waist. Put the top of your head in his chest. What? You had the advantage, no. though, of your neck is thicker than most people's right? waist. So. Yeah, but that took years of getting my butt kicked to realize that I had to start doing neck exercise. I mean, but I'm, I'm probably not 100 pounds oh, until I get to no be doubt. in a high school. Yeah. Oh. So then what kept you coming back then What after that year? Yeah, so, okay, yeah, that's a good question because you said I'm not question. doing it. Yeah. Why did you come back to next year? That's a great question. I never actually thought to, the answer to. I, I I think I just I couldn't stomach the idea of quitting for yeah. one and just not being better than everybody else. I, I yeah. think that's really what it. Where do you think that was. comes from? That mentality. No idea. Pro- probably just through this survival, right? Mm. I, I guess. So my siblings and I, one of the things that they make fun of, I didn't know they make fun of me about it. <laughs> I found out about last year that they used to make fun of me oh, behind wow. my back. But, so 38 years old, finally I know, figured out. <laughs> so I wanted to be an Olympian. Oh. And what I figured out, though, is if we do these games throughout the day, which you can get a gold medal, silver medal, or I, I'd probably give them a rock, you know. Yeah. But we used to do long jump and triple jump, and I don't know why they did it with me, mm. but we used to do those things to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Right? It kept us active. So, I don't know, maybe that's, it started yeah. there, maybe, I don't know. Just super competitive with your siblings. Yeah. On the- <laughs> yeah, that's, and you both are parents of young kids, and, and I'm coaching my, my five-year-old, I have a, my that's oldest boy's five, yeah, you, you saw him when he was first born. Um, it's, you know, if there's eight kids on a soccer team, it's really strange. I think the biggest frustration I have is the tenacity mm. that's lacking in a lot of these kids. And so that's what I'm thinking is like, mm. Are you just born with it? Like, is that, is you just had that go getter mentality? Is that something you can learn? I mean, well, we've talked about it too, right? I, and I bet you are different than some of your siblings, right? You, oh, sure. You come from a similar environment for the most part, right? Like you mentioned, your younger siblings kind of had a different life than your the older three. Right. But like my kids, same environment. Yes, we parent each kid different based on who they are and, and their needs, but 
Like my oldest, like if she misses a math problem, she loses her mind. <laughs> like loses it. If if somebody's out wrestling and she doesn't like toss them, she's like distraught. Like she literally has to win everything. Mm. Has to be if she doesn't get hundreds on everything in her report card, she loses it. Whereas then like my next boy, he's like I'm not going to do my homework. I'm tripping. What's homework? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play. Uh-uh. Right. Nah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I do think that, like, there's, there's a wiring mm-hmm. within each individual that's different. I mean, that's how we're all different. Right. Right. But I do think that you kind of are a product of your environment. I would say back in our, uh, you know, us old heads, um, it was different because there's not the participation trophy. There's not, like, it right. literally is you have to win or you lose. Like, mm-hmm. It was emphasized. If you aren't the best, you don't play. Like, there was more of that. And I think now the tenacity is different because it's like, well, if I don't get this, I still get everything that I want and mm-hmm. some. So I, th- I just think it's kind of a product of your environment. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, So that's I'm just kind of how you were. I mean, it was just innate in you. I mean, I, I guess I don't so. want to quit. I want to stick with it. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, I don't really know where it comes from, you know, mm-hmm. similar to Tyler. I, th- I think it's. I, I do notice even now when I look at people who are in leadership positions, you can usually trace that back to captain of this team or that sure. team, right? Mm-hmm. President of this or that. Mm-hmm. Is it innate? Did somebody, you know, somehow recognize that in them and, and call that to them? I, I don't know what it is that, yeah. that drives that. But yeah. So yeah. for you, you, you go back into football. What did, what did junior high, high school look like for you? I mean, obviously you said you were smaller mm-hmm. until a little bit later. What did – what socially, what did, what did it look like through those years? And then athletically, what did that look sure. like? Sure. I, I think it's, so I, it's a smaller town. So mm-hmm. as soon as football became, you know, an obvious gift, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I got to, to surge through celebrity status yeah. in my little town. So that mm-hmm. was very, very helpful mm-hmm. uh, because it made up for any of the other things. You know, it, it wasn't such a big deal it, mm-hmm. if I have the free lunch card. Well, because I'm the fastest kid in school, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think it, it helped me overcome whatever other challenges potentially yeah. I would have had if I didn't have that. Yeah. yeah, we had a guest a couple of years ago. His name is Drew Robinson, and he's a baseball player, professional baseball player. And he struggled his whole life with confidence in himself. He was this – I think he started as a freshman in high school yeah. in a varsity. Unbelievable baseball player. Ended up being a professional baseball but he always struggled with, I'm a joke, like I'm a fraud. Was there any, you know, of that with you meaning, you know, I'm trying to hide my lunch card here, so I have this part of my life, but now I'm also yeah, you're, selling. you're now on this pedestal within your community. Did, right. did you ever feel like that's, I'm kind of a fraud? Like, what, how did you balance that dynamic? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. I'm, I'm sure that I did. I, I probably overcompensated. In one, and I think what happens is you put too much emphasis into it, right? Because I was also a really good student, yeah. and and I was I was uh, I was the president of my chess club, believe it or not. I somehow I could play. You chess. really do have it all, man. It was weird. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm, a big I'm, I'm an athletic nerd, I guess. Really, <laughs> it's good. But but what happens though is that you start putting too much emphasis into one thing, and so mm. all of my eggs went into the the football basket. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I think that I struggled with confidence, but I don't know that I realized it until I, you know, mm-hmm. I got in university. Maybe. Gotcha. How, how do you feel like your identity was associated in those age? It was like, Hey, I'm Travis, the football player. hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I would say 
you know, I, I'm sure we'll get to it, but I, I had a, I, all of us probably had an interesting journey of, of where football went. Um, but to this day, it's hard for me to go back home because I didn't take it as far as mm. the expectation was. Huh. Yeah, see, that's hard. Like, that really, really is hard. And, and we talk about we talk about the identity thing. That's That's been important. I mean, specifically for me because I can only speak for myself, but, like, Ben especially, right? You do it for so long, and that's who you're known as within your community. You start to learn to know yourself that way. Right. And then when that is taken away, now who are you? Right. Right? And that's the transition. And that's, and that's where so many athletes, military, business leaders, they struggle is mm-hmm. because their identity isn't something that they do, not something that they are. Right. Right. Yeah. So, the, the book Atomic Habits explains it well. Now it's easier, obviously, in, on written, in written word than practical application. But they ta- yeah. he talks about it's finding identity, not necessarily I am a football player. It's I like to be part of a team. I like to lead people. I like to work hard. So you find your identity in those components so that when football is no longer what you do and now you're VP of personal training, you can take that same, those same skills that made you good at football, but it's not I'm a football player. It's I do these things well. Right. So now it's able to translate to it. Now, again, that's easier written and that's pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty on a page. It's harder to apply because I'm with you. I struggled with identity for a long time in that transition. So I'm with you, but... I wish somebody, or I wish I could have grasped that concept yeah. earlier in life. And maybe that's just something you got to live through. Too, I think it's you know? hard. I, I, I mean, I remember, I remember I had a guidance counselor, actually, because I started getting letters for, from schools, right? And she's like, look, you have to choose. You can be smart and, and be an academic, and there's all these things you can do. Or you can play football. And, and, and so that's... You know, I think that that's a big lesson for a lot of people. Mm. Don't do that. Yeah. It's interesting. She, she made you yeah. push me further into right. The identity. This is all that mm. I'm. That my value is. Yeah. So what was what was high school like? When did you start getting attention for your football play from recruiters? And sure. when did it start becoming a thing where I'm going to go do this after high school? So so I ended up transitioning to quarterback when I was in junior high school. Mm-hmm. Played quarterback uh, as a sophomore. I started for the varsity team. Uh, and, and what helped me out was that one of my receivers that year was Mr. Show Me Basketball, Missouri mm-hmm. Player of the Year. Wow. So as he was getting recruited, who's throwing the ball to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's me. Right. Uh, and so I was, I was able to ride that a little yeah. bit from him. Yeah, yeah, man. So did in your mind, when did the shift happen from I want to be an Olympian to I want to do football? I mean, I know you were playing football this whole time, but the goal, yeah. when did the goal change? So, I, you know, I think it's – you know, I, I think it's tough sometimes when you are, again, for me, I was pushed into this bucket of Travis football is your future mm-hmm. and this is what you're, you need to focus on. And so I ran track, but to serve the needs yeah. of football, yeah. right? And there was no consideration of, of periodization the way that it should be for sprinting. So I might peak at the wrong time in the season because I'm, I'm lifting, when I'm squatting and deadlifting, and then I'm going to do yeah. track practice, right? <laughs> and And so... You know, I think I was kind of pushed to, you know, football was a thing. Gotcha. And I ended yeah. up running track a couple of seasons, indoor, outdoor, in college as yeah. well. But, mm. but I, I, even then, I was, you know, the football coaches in were like, hey, listen, we're, we're paying for your school. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. So, you know. Hey, it, you'll be at spring ball. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. While all this success is going on, what's home life like at this point later in high school? Uh, I mean, I, I would just say it was, it was a storm. It was a constant storm at home. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I think we were just my oldest brother was gone. He was in the Navy. He kind of took off for a couple of years. Um, the next oldest brother, uh, he was in he was in school. He was in university at our community college, mm-hmm. um, but he kind of had his head down really. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, I think honestly, that was the other part to it though. Is is my success with football mm-hmm. created more of a namesake for my family? Yeah. Right. And so now there's the you know there's probably some pressure there, but you know, things were better for us because yeah. of that, yeah. right? Yeah, I was just going to ask that, is because now you're such a name in the community, um, the pressure of that as a, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, that's a lot. Oh, big right? time. And then now, and I don't know, and I'm not speaking for your parents, but I know just it's it's very easy to be, like, very proud that Travis is my son. Yeah. Right? And then being there, and then so – a lot of times you see kids then be the glue that holds a family together, right? If Absolutely. I if I lose this this notoriety that I've got right now, this success, all these things, if I lose these, what's everybody around me? What are they going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. So how? I mean, was that a pressure? Do you think oh, that you big felt? Time. Okay. No, no question about that, right? I had all these promises yeah. unfulfilled, right? Yeah. I'm going to get my parents a house, mm-hmm. right? They never owned a house. They still have never owned a house, you know. Those kind of things, I'll take mm-hmm. care of everybody, right? Uh, as long as I get through what I'm doing, everybody yeah. else is going to be okay. So do you feel like um, success for you was paramount in, like, getting and or having relationships? Do you feel like, hey, look, the more I perform – like I very much was performance based. Like I felt like I, I didn't deserve love from anybody unless I performed, unless I proved myself, unless I did this. Like even my parents, my parents were great. And it's not that they did anything intentional, but the better I did, the more it seemed like I got at home, you know, and the better it was, better I was treated, more freedom I got. So it was very much performance based. Was that, was it like that in your I, home? I think to certain, I think for me internally was I'm never good enough. Mm. And so, so no matter what level of success yeah. I might have seen, it wasn't the level that I wanted. Yeah. And, and so I was always letting people down is, I think, what I felt. Yeah, see, mm. yeah. I, that, that, very similar. Very yeah. similar. Mm. Okay, so let's go to, like, your, your junior, mostly senior year. That's, okay, this is the year, right? This is where, you know, I figure out where I'm going to go to school, how this is what I mean, senior year is pretty awesome. Right. I mean, I'll be the dazed and confused guy that's like, hey, the best years of your life, for sure, right? <laughs> but what was your senior year? How did that season go? What was that, what was that recruiting process like? And I guess yeah. junior year was a big part of that. But It is, it is. So my senior year is like, is, is the, uh, the turn of everything went wrong mm. uh, in my senior year. So, so what happened is four games in, mm. I ended up breaking my ankle, mm. right? And it's, it's like at that point, everything shifted for me, right? Because now I may never realize this dream that I've had, right? Mm-hmm. Most of, of any scholarship opportunities I had in front of me disappeared. And, and I found myself actually sitting in a recruiter's office thinking, I'm going to go to the military. That's, mm-hmm. that's my only option. Really? Yeah. So who who were you like? Where were you hoping to go before the injury? So so my original plan, my my goal was University of Missouri huh. at that time, yeah. yeah. Which I guess would make sense being sure. from there, yeah. Yeah, go Tigers. Yeah. yeah. So 
you break your ankle, done for the season. I guess four double weeks from yeah, you don't have time to come no, back. Yeah, there's there's no senior point. tape. Yeah, yeah. There's there's not the uh, the laser treatments that they've got no. now to get you, get you back. <laughs> well, now was small. it like a like a devis like DAC? Oh, it was bad. Yeah, it was surgery. I didn't have surgery. Okay. No, no. I so so it was my fibula right on the ankle oh, joint. Yeah, uh, and so and it's one of those things where if, I think if you break, I remember a teammate broke his six inches higher and he, he ended up coming back. Yeah. Next I, season, I right? broke mine higher, my fibula on my left leg, same thing. It was yeah. like, it was like a bad sprain yeah. more than anything. Yeah, this wasn't. was this was really tough, and I ended up missing half of my track season actually because as mm-hmm. I started coming back through uh, my rehab, I ended up rupturing the bursa sac of my Achilles tendon. Uh, so it put me out pretty bad. So I also miss a lot of my track season. Uh, so dang. senior year was fun, but it was it was definitely a challenge. Ah. All right, so sorry, let's sorry I said that. <laughs> no, <laughs> but let's dive into your mind right there. Sure. Because all that pressure, I've got to perform, I've got to perform, I'm not good enough. Now all of a sudden this unforeseeable circumstance happens. What did you do with that? I mean, I I, I really poured a lot into just running i mean just trying to force myself to get back thankfully uh, i had a youth minister at church who went to harding university which is ultimately mm-hmm. where i went mm-hmm. he, he pulled some oklahoma right uh arkansas arkansas, arkansas yeah. yeah so he pulled he pulled some strings somehow i don't know how he ended up in you know getting me there i, I got a pity scholarship i think <laughs> to harding but, <laughs> but i but I an opportunity getting, getting there and and so without him i have no idea uh what would have happened for mm. me to be honest with you but that was really it. I, I just kind of focused on I got to I got to heal and I got to yeah. get fast again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get to Harding and and I don't want to. Sp- I will speak for you because I played at a small yeah Christian you know private university. Let's just say there were more fans that would show up for my high school games <laughs> than there were for my college games. So it's a very humbling experience to go from I'm going to the University of Missouri in your case thousands of you know fans every Saturday to. Cersei, Arkansas. What what, yeah. what was that like? That you know, it it was a struggle, honestly. And and I and I actually show up, and they say so. I play quarterback, mm-hmm. right? I had played some defensive back, um, but mostly if I was going like when I went to camp with Mizzou or something, that was you know that's where they would put me. Mm-hmm. And Harding looks at me. I, I promise you, they say we don't actually know where to play you. <laughs> Right, so I'm an athlete, right? Yeah. In, in the little, you know, they knew exactly game, where right? to play. You. Left tackle, go. I was a quarterback. I was recruited as an athlete to Fresno yeah. State. Like, yeah, we're gonna try you quarterback for sure. But why don't you just go ahead and over to the linebacker line? Yeah, you right. just go over there. No intention of being a quarterback. Well, to be fair to Fresno State, you wore a, a cowboy collar at quarterback. I did at, at close. I did oh, in high school. Funny. That was only. It was two games, but it was two games. <laughs> they were playoff games. Intimidating. They were, they were pivotal. They were a neck like that. No collar, but no cowboy collar necessary. Mm. Oh man, they were so cool to wear then. Though. Yeah, Anyways. they really anyway. were. I know. Seriously, the the what was the there was a UT linebacker, DJ Johnson. You remember DJ, that guy? Oh yeah. Remember he had the big, the, oh, the, the big, butterfly. Yes, the butterfly. that was the coolest. That dude I always wanted still to this day. So, so when I was with the Browns, we we practiced at UT in the offseason during the lock during the lockout, and he was there. And I am like, oh my gosh, he's God. <laughs> that dude is like, and so he, I, I just remember, and it was my first like 
work out with like other NFL guys. And I was like, I don't belong here. Like I definitely shouldn't be here at all. Like if that's who I'm supposed to block, there's yeah, no chance. For sure. I ended up playing against him at Kansas City a couple times and he's a dang good player. Yeah. I mean he played 10, 12 years, something 12, like that. Yeah, yeah, 12 years or so. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Okay, so so go to Hardy. Don't know where to play you. So I end up red shirting at receiver. Okay. So I go to receiver. And I, you know, I want to say, I remember sitting in the cafeteria and looking around. Everybody's bragging about what school they went to, you know, and, and I, there was this realization that I had that everyone here was pretty much the best player on their high school team. Mm. So how are you going to be different than everybody else, right? Uh, anyway, so I struggled through that, that first year of just – it was still an identity thing, yeah. I think, right? Well, now I, you're two years removed from actually playing. Correct, yeah. And, again, you and know, I'm learning a new position, yeah. right? I'm playing receiver. I kept lining up in the quarterback slot, you know, in, in the huddle. <laughs> he would come in, like, what are you doing? Get up. Hey, Travis, you're not calling the plays. I don't know if y'all knew this. I was the captain of my uh, chess right? team. <laughs> yeah, so were we. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but it was tough. It was tough because it's, it, there's this realization of, I, I remember standing in a parking lot once, and I actually cried. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, what am I doing? This is not, this is not what I had in mind. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. Yep. I switched in the spring to uh, safety, so I started playing defensive back at that point, uh, which was also, I mean, that was great. But you know, if I fast forward to the very next summer, I, I went and lived with my brother. He, he was uh, in the Navy in uh, Virginia Beach, and I stayed with him in the summer because mm-hmm. I needed a break. I needed to, to get away from mm-hmm. every. I didn't want to go back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not happy, you know, with this, you know, playing Division Two football. This is not what I wanted to do. And I end up – so this is 2002, right? Yep. We're at the height of, of being in war. Yeah. And I end up working for a furniture company that contracted uh, moving furniture for military personnel. Mm-hmm. So all day long, I'm back in front of a bunch of people in military, mm-hmm. right? And so I remember I, I called my roommate, and I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join up. Mm. And, and so I'm, I'm back in the recruiter's office again, thinking through this, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. And my brother actually taught me out of it. Really? Yeah. There, there were a couple people that I, I remember I moved in, you know, different service members, uh-huh. you know, and they said, look, you could be doing this, but man, I would give anything to go play college ball. Yeah. Right. And it was enough of, of that yeah. interaction. And then my brother is like, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Go play yeah. ball. Yeah. So I went back. I could understand if it's like just college, you can always go back to college. Right. right? Yeah. It may be a different experience when you're 26, 27, if you go after you serve or something like that. But like, I get it. Like to play college ball. Did that give you a different perspective going home? It did. It really did. Okay. Yeah. It really did. And it's, it's always something I come from a very patriotic family. So it's always something in the back of my mind, almost everywhere I go, and my kids laugh at me. They're like, why did they say it to you? There was a military discount? I'm like, nope. I don't know why I give off that vibe. But <laughs> nope. Uh, it's, it's a constant thing. It's a it joke might be the bald family. eagle that follows you everywhere. <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> right. it's, it's a joke in our family. But, yeah. but anyway, uh, no, I went back, reinvigorated, new position, got a lot of uh, playing time that year. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was, it was the camaraderie with, with the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's so awesome. Could not leave that. So you start seeing success in the field. Mm-hmm. The NFL dream is out there. Yep. Talk to us through your last few years at school and, and how that went. Yeah. 
See, it's funny. I, I actually had the chance to watch some film recently. I, in my head, I was a lot better than I think I was. <laughs> <laughs> we always are. Yes. We always yes. are. <laughs> Uh, no, I, so I, I was blessed with being fast and I think mm-hmm. that that put, they, they got me at least some looks, mm-hmm. uh, also on my team. I had some other teammates that were, were really, uh, really talented and a couple of them got a chance to go. The challenge really for, at least for, for us at that time, and, and I'm sure you experienced this, I know you experienced this in division two football is, is you're at least at that time, you just, it's almost like second rate football player. You're for not. Sure. You're not considered at the same right. level, and that was tough, I, I think. Uh, and so, ultimately, you know, as 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 great as it was, plus to be honest with you, we had a really Harding had a really good defensive squad for those couple of years. We had a terrible offense, which I can confirm now. And if anybody <laughs> listens, this will be really upset with me. But I can confirm, having watched some of that film, we were bad. <laughs> bad. We were really bad. Right? So we had a lot of te- we had we had some teams that should have been. Uh, we we'd one year I think we were nine and one, but we were six and five almost every other year after that, mm. right? Mm. And it's tough. You know, how do you come from a six and five Division two school and try to get out of that? Yeah, know, anywhere. So it was tough. So you finished your last year, your senior year, and how was, was school though? Going through college, like you were a good student in high school. Mm-hmm. Same same in college. Did you? Yeah, I mean, did you buy into that? Either I'm all football player, or I'm all student, or did you? You know, it, it never it never left me. Okay. Um, I, I I had I struggled through. I didn't have to study a whole lot in, in high school, so I str- I went through that. I went through the whole thing. I, I feel like I probably every football player's story, but I had a 1.7 GPA uh, at mid. What do you call it? Midterms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. My freshman year, I got put on academic probation. Nice. Which is which is Dang. so stupid. You actually you doing, have to do the work, <laughs> right? Were you doing oh. family studies or uh, what is it? Social work no, was I, the major. I, I had exercise science as a major. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Which is which is another story. Excuse me. <coughs> I remember. So when I got hurt, how that happened is like when I got hurt, somehow I ended up doing an internship when I was in high school. And they said you had to job shadow someone. I didn't. I couldn't job shadow anybody. I, I didn't have a way of getting there. So I went to see my orthopedic surgeon. I'm like, hey, how much money do you make? He tells me. Some reason he told me, right? And I'm like, I want to be that. Yeah. <laughs> so when I show up at Harding and I'm speaking to in my, I get assigned an advisor. She's like, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. I have no other reason for wanting to be a doctor except I know that you make a lot of money if, if I don't go play in the right. NFL, right? right? You'd be surprised at how many people pick jobs because of that. Because of that, <laughs> I, I'm sure. So then she's like, well, what do you want? What's your major? And I'm like, I just told you I want to be a doctor. Yeah, it's like, well, you doctor can't major. major in being a doctor, right? <laughs> so she said, what do you major uh, in? Doctoring. Right? <laughs> doctor. Doctor. So she said, well, my daughter is uh, studying to go to, to the medicine as well. Um, and she's an exercise science major. And I'm like, I like exercise. I like science. Man, I like girls too. I'll do so yeah, there's some of them there. So <laughs> let's go. Was there not a pre med track? There's a pre med track. Yeah. So, but the challenge is, at least at the time of starting, it, no, it wasn't that. Oh, okay. It was that certain classes that you had to take for that were only offered in the spring of yeah. even years. Yeah. Right? Mm. It's not even offered every every mm. year. And so then I have to choose. I can't go to yeah. physics lab or chemistry lab because I've got spring football. Mm-hmm. So I dropped the pre-med. And that's, and that's the, I mean, there are some majors that like were only in like the afternoons. Right. And yeah. So like there was guys that couldn't do certain majors because they literally would miss practice every day yeah. because they had to pick 
not gonna lie, I, I, I kind of took a little bit of advantage of those afternoon labs sometimes, every now and then, whenever. <laughs> See, dude, I was I was such a meathead. It was like I will never miss a practice. I will never not. I will never miss a drill. Like I'm gonna be there. Like, and if you if you choose to schedule a class, you are selfish, and you are taken away from the team. <laughs> you should know better. Uh, I was 100 percent that dude, and I was. I, how many fights did you get in practice? <laughs> I was literally involved in all of the fights. <laughs> How many? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's so funny, too, because, like, I mean, I, I in, in real life, like, I really, I, like, love people. I love people. And that's, I love, that's like, where we differ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so I just, I love people. But literally, it, there is something on the football field. I don't know if it was this, like, this false security because I had gear on or whatever, but I literally fought. All the yeah. time. It's called bipolar disorder. Yeah, it's true. Look it up. It's true. You've <laughs> literally got an issue. Like, you literally need to get that checked out. The doctor here. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so. <laughs> sorry, that was a little detour. Um, so, exercise science. You want to you do the doctoring. And so, <laughs> did you fall in love with, like, fitness in this? I know you were, obviously fitness was a big part of it, but now you're learning, like, the biological aspect of sure. it. And you're learning the mechanical aspect of it. So, was that your first you know, exposure I don't know. to it? I, I think somehow it just came easy to me. Mm. I, I don't know why. Anatomy, mm-hmm. physiology, it was just something that I was able to pick up pretty mm-hmm. easy. It's, it's what the way I started getting into fitness, actually, though, was my strength and conditioning coach was doing a summer camp. It was a speed camp for mm-hmm. kids, for youth athletes. And something came up. I guess he couldn't run it. And so he reached out to me. Now, the funny thing about if you're ever somebody who's a fast runner, everyone around you thinks that you can somehow teach them teach, how to yeah, run yeah. fast, yeah, right? Run like, fast. I don't know. Move your legs fast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you just go. <laughs> so hard. I know. So some. So I ended up being the guy yeah. who says, hey, can you do this camp for me? Hold on. Did he pay you for it? I got paid by the kids, by their parents. Huh. NCAA violation. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> You that may be. You're lucky. Oh my goodness! Dude, you just admitted to fraud. I did. Oh no! <laughs> I don't back. know what it was. Reggie Bush got his Heisman taken away. You're gonna get yeah. your oh, all American status taken away. <laughs> <laughs> I take my academic all American. Oh, okay. So, so you're coaching these kids, but did you find like so? So what happened is every kid that wanted. So I ended up training them privately oh. after oh. that, right? Yeah. And every kid that wanted to to play a sport in college, earn, earn a scholarship to college, did. Uh-huh. And so I found that, man, I've, I've, I'm good at this, yeah. right? And I, I really enjoyed mm. watching it come together for them. So what was it, do you think about it? Do you think, okay, hey, I get to help these kids and then see the growth. Was that, like, rewarding for you? Um, I mean, was it just the content itself that you loved? What was it about it? Was, it it was a challenge. It was a, it was it was a kid who was playing baseball who says, you know, hey, I'm running a six eight sixty, mm-hmm. and that's not going to get it done. I got to get faster. So it was it was watching them run and then trying to figure out how to how to piece that together for them, and then and then see the success happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think it was just a challenge. So yeah. you were doing personal training. I guess in college. So I started personal training in college, uh, and then I started working with uh, faculty members in college. Okay. Or just other people in the community who would come to the, you know, the university gym. So you, and then you would use like the team weight room and do it there? So there was a separate university uh, weight room. Gotcha. Okay. So you found you were good at this, but the the dream was still professional football. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened after your senior year? 
So after my senior year, let's see. So I, I mean, I, I, so I didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's, you know, it's, that's a tough thing because you start getting phone calls and you think, yeah. all right, that's it, you know, and they yeah. start going through the draft and like, all right, they said sixth round, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was where, you know, what may be possible for me was a later yeah. round and it doesn't happen, yeah. you know. And, and, and I remember this, I remember standing in my, in, in kind of a hallway uh, with my roommate and he was also somebody who was who thought he was going to get picked up, and I remember standing there just holding each other, sobbing like little you know children. Like what? Now what? What do I do, yeah. guys? I'm I'm telling you, and I'm talking to the audience right now. It's a real thing for us guys. <laughs> like that draft day is yeah. the most like you want to melt a grown ass man <laughs> down to nothing. Just watch him on draft day. Yeah, yeah. Like, we all went it. through the same thing. Every single yeah, all three yeah. of us. So okay, so don't get a call. What about free agency? What? So, so th- I never understood why, but I, I never even got a an invite to camp after that. So I so I have. Did an you have agent. an agent? Yeah, okay. I had an agent at that point, and uh, I ended up separating with the agent. Uh, there, there was, yeah, I, I, I think what happened is I played in an all star game. There was one. Team. Yeah, what all star game did so you? It was, you, the, e- it was the called East the West East Shrine. No, it was East Coast Bowl game. Okay, East Coast Bowl game. Uh, I don't know how I ended up there from Harding, but it was called the yeah. East Coast Bowl game, uh, and and I ended up having a couple teams that seemed to follow me. From you know, you start running. I think your junior year, you run mm-hmm. a a forty for for yep. the scouts, you yep. know, and and they start following you. And there were a couple of them that stayed through that whole period of time, and and I didn't have a lot of options when coming to sign an agent. But you know, I, hindsight twenty twenty, I, I chose the wrong group, I think, but. But I thought, you know, this is this was a newer group. They were out of Little Rock, Arkansas, which mm-hmm. is where where I was, and and you know, I thought, look, they're they're going to be hungry. They they need somebody to go. Yeah. They're going to push really hard. You know, I I ultimately found out they got overconfident in who was reaching out to them and and interested in me. Put all of you know their focus on that and didn't really do what they should have been doing. I think, yeah, yeah. ultimately. Uh, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it didn't work, right? Yeah. And so I start bouncing. I had to go to tryouts, you know, CFL tryouts and AFL tryouts, and, and I did that. I know that, that life. For a while. <laughs> I know that life. Yeah, y'all, y'all two share that in common. So did you get to play anywhere after so that? I got year? picked up by an arena team. Okay. Uh, I played one season of arena football. Where'd you play? Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas okay. Twisters was what the All team right. was called. And so time. that was before they folded. Before they folded, yeah. right? Yeah. All yeah, right. So, this so y'all is, were actually getting paid. We were. So this is 2000. And now it's let's see. I think I missed one season. Uh-huh. Uh, I started uh, waiting tables. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I if you've heard the story before, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I mean, we're just all three. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Did anyway. that for a little bit. Played a lot of poker mm. uh, at that time. Had to make rent somehow. Wow, so you did. You played <laughs> poker to pay rent. Poker to pay rent. Nice. So I would take my tips from the night. Mm-hmm. Go to whatever local game was going on in somebody's garage. So That's I could, interesting. So I could, uh, dang, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now let's put a pin right there because you're married. Huh? When did you meet your wife? I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing, guys. These Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created. The feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you 
so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number Store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number. Get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. So we actually, so I knew her in college, yeah. okay. right? She was, uh, we were both dating somebody else always. It seemed like at different times. Yeah. But she was the girl who was out of reach when I was in college. Bro, yeah. have you heard this? I'm Y'all go you. back to episode four. It's called The Green Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Just insert Travis with Tyler. Same story. Uh, <laughs> Interchange no. names. It literally is his story. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Go That's ahead. That's awesome. It's always, it always works out better when they know you in college. Then there's no secrets right. when you actually get together. Then it's like you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. It's like you already know everything. Like, right. You know my skeletons. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, so, so y'all meet, start so dating. We ended up, so, at, so we didn't meet in college, right? right? We just knew of each other. Uh-huh. Uh, and and it's, it's funny because when you, when you look back, we start talking as we're dating, you know, like we, our roommates dated at one point. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there were so many times yeah. when it was our like paths just should have path. crossed, yeah. but didn't. Never did. Right? Yeah. And so, no, I was actually, so she had, she had gone off and had a whole other life. Yeah. She went to uh, Africa, did mission work in Africa. Oh, that's awesome. Her father is, he was a professor at that university. Mm-hmm. And so she, that's where she's from. That's her hometown. So she was there trying to, to reset her life, right, mm-hmm. after she got back from mission work. And, and I was, I think I was just on, just on a, a, a break, yeah. Right? I was finishing up uh, my first season of Arena Bowl, mm-hmm. and I had just come back up to Harding to to really just hang out. I had some friends up there. One of them was a GA at the school, and I happened to see her at the field, and uh, she actually walked up to me and introduced herself to me. Wow. You know? See? They, got, they come to us, man. Well, we we got to fight them off. That's code for you got no game, my brother. It may be. Well, so he, he, he was my game was looking at her but pretending as if I didn't see her. Oh, I, I did that for probably three she, or four months. Is she months. coming up to me? <laughs> what, 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 what do I do? What do I do? Hot. I mean, hi. Yeah. Oh, okay, so y'all start, y'all start dating. Did you go back to Arena Ball after that? What was No, so so now at this point, it's like I need to get back and down. So my, my – Real, I think, uh, stamp on the field was special teams. Mm-hmm. I had really good on special teams. And so it's, arena football, it's tough with special oh, it's teams. hard, right? So, yeah. Uh, and the field's small, and especially on punt coverage, kick coverage. There's no punt coverage in arena football, yeah, right. right? And so I thought, and my agent thought, okay, the thing that you will hang your hat on is, is special teams. That's how you're going to make an NFL squad. Yeah. And then you'll work your way into you know, mm-hmm. a secondary rotation. And so at that time – there was uh, the couple startup leagues that happened. So there's a league called the All-American Football League. Oh, yeah. I think that's what it was called, All-American mm-hmm. Football League. It started and never actually started. Mm. Yep. And then I got picked up by a team. So NFL Europe folded at that time. Yep. So we're talking 2008 Eight. going yeah, into Yeah, that was when I came right? out. It was the first year NFL Europe folded. Okay, yeah. Because that wasn't there. That wasn't mm. available. Yeah. So then I get picked up by this this team. It's called, it ended up being called USA Eagles was the team. But it was to represent the United States to go play in Europe. So I was going to go play in Amsterdam. So my, my girlfriend at the time was real happy yeah, about I'm that. Sure. Right? She's like, sure. oh, you're going to go play where? <laughs> you're going to do what? <laughs> right. And so, uh, and so anyway, so I signed up to play at this league, mm-hmm. and, um, and it gets, the season gets pushed, mm-hmm. and it gets pushed. 
and then it folds, mm. right? So I'm like, all right, now what am I going to do? But arena football's still going. Uh, I end up working out with the uh, Desperados yeah. the team yeah. In, yeah, here in Dallas. In Dallas. And, then, and then arena football folded, right? And that Jeez. was it. Yeah. I was done. Oh. Really? That was it. There was like that period, eight, nine, and I guess, yeah, eight and nine, there was so limited options. Like yeah. if you didn't make the league, you had, literally had the CFL and the NFL. That was that it. Was it. Like, that was pre-UFL, that was pre-AFL coming back, pre-IFL, remember right, the Indoor yeah. Football League? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was all these leagues that kind of spun up afterwards, but there was like this two-year window where there was thousands of guys just on the street that should have been on a roster somewhere. Right, right. And so, like, you talk about that workout circuit, like, and I've shared this, it, but, like, you go to these workouts for, like, a new league, and there's, like, 2,000 dudes there. Easily. Yeah, and, and you're like, paying to be there, and you're paying. So yeah. it's literally fundraisers for these or these teams that are bills. going out. Literally, I'm like, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was just a hard time to be a football. So where were you mentally, right? So all you wanted to do is play football. Yep. And you knew you had the skills. You knew you were able to do it. But it's like, frick! Every opportunity just keeps get slipping through my fingers. Like, where are you at mentally as far as like, okay? What else? Because it takes guys a little bit of time to, like, let football go. If you're going to do something, you're doing something just to buy time until you right. mm-hmm. get a shot. So, I mean, we're 14 years later, and I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> <laughs> what happened. Yeah. <laughs> just, all right, I mean, XFL's back, out. so here we go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm still wrong. waiting on the call. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, so so at that point, it's it's tough. I mean – so, so I think what happened is, so my father-in-law, uh, I, I ended up getting married. I don't think I was married. I think we were engaged. We were seriously dating at least. Yeah. And my father-in-law, he had played, uh, and he played in the NFL for a okay. little bit. And, and I remember I sat down and talked to him at one point, and he said to me, who are you trying to prove this to? And I said, I mean, I don't know. And he said, well, you wouldn't be at this level having these opportunities if you weren't good enough. I've asked around. I know that you were good enough. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like the only person who doesn't know if Travis was good enough to make it is Travis. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I'm like, man. Now, I I don't know if he was being manipulative and he actually wanted me to stop chasing it so that yeah, I could provide for my daughter. For his daughter right? <laughs> I think that's probably he – he, I don't know that his motives were completely clean. Uh, but, but, but I think at that moment, yeah. I, I remember just thinking – I think that's all I'm really trying to do right now is to prove that I was good enough, yeah. right? I, I'm going back to, you know, I break my ankle in high school, and, and that's, <sighs> that was it for me, right? Yeah. And, and I battled that injury the rest of my career, uh-huh. right? Uh, coming from smaller school in high school, yeah. smaller school in college, right? Now, just like you said, I'm at all these workouts, and, and I'm, I'm – I'm putting up top scores in, in these things, and, and then you come to find out they weren't really looking for anybody anyway, you know, and, and it was tough. So, so I ultimately decided it's time to move on with the rest of my life. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a hard thing um, for, for young men, I think, to go through because you, you, you feel like you have to live up to this legend that you heard about yourself, right? right? And you're not sure if that person is true like you said, right? It's never enough, never enough, never right. enough. So now it's like, well, I've got to live up to that 
uh, personality that I, I keep hearing about. Like, I don't believe it in my head, but I keep hearing about it out there. So it, I have to prove it true or, or I'm a fraud, right? Like mm -hmm. what you were saying earlier, yeah. Ben. And so that's a, that's a really hard thing to let go. And then also to look at the, the what ifs, right? To right. let go of the like, what if I didn't break my ankle? What if the arena league didn't fold? What if the European league actually happened? What if, I mean, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? And it's really hard, but I think that goes back to the identity thing, right? And I, I think your father-in-law like posed a really good question. Absolutely. So I said, that's a heavy discussion to have yeah. with your son-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, engaged, married, whatever. Yeah. But it's a good question because like, who are you trying to prove it to? Because right. like, who do you believe you are? It's right. the only thing that matters. Yeah. And so it's hard to let go. I mean, there's still guys, I mean, there's, there's a million uncle Rico's out there, right? <laughs> like if coaches put them in at state, they'd win. Yeah. Right. And that's why I play my son in fly football in the backyard. Now I still stiff arm. <laughs> I, by the way, I stiff armed two kids yesterday. I was running a play with, with the eight year olds and I was running across the ground. I caught it over one and I literally like stiff armed him <laughs> at the ground. Oh yeah, it <laughs> felt good too. Yeah. Eat your veggies, boy. Maddox's parents. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. <laughs> Not sure, but but it's it's hard. Like the what ifs. Like that's something that you always look back on. Like what if I had done something a little bit different? Um, but the, it's a mentality too, though. One, you've got to be confident in who you are. But then two, it's like, look, the only thing that matters is today, right? Because that's the only thing that's going to affect tomorrow. So. You have that conversation with your father-in-law. What does the trajectory go from there? Like, what do you, when yeah. you say, okay, hey, that's it. I'm and and y'all were married at the time? We were not married. Not we married were dating. We were dating yeah. at the time. Yeah. Honestly, she was at that point, and, and really still today, but the brightest light for me. It was mm -hmm. like all of the the storm is what I would call it, right? All of the the just tumultuous surviving that I had been doing my whole life, she she was the only calm that I ever had seen, yeah. right? Um, and so, to me, I felt like there was a lot of there was a lot of potential there, mm -hmm. and and I would be stupid not to see that. Yeah. I felt like I had to make a choice. I can keep trying to chase mm -hmm. this dream that keeps eluding me for whatever mm -hmm. reason, or I can travel down this other path, and I don't know where this is going to lead. It's actually probably scarier, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but she seemed to be this this yeah calm for me yeah. and and so that's the direction i took wow i mean if i'm not going to take advantage of it right now until she smartens up and actually realizes right. i better lock her in yeah. now and because that that's that was our story it was like okay somehow i tricked her into liking me like <laughs> i'm not going to screw this yeah. up let's yeah. go right yeah, for sure so what job where did you go what did you do from so there? so what's funny about it so we so we ended up trying to figure out, all right, where are we going to go? Her mm -hmm. sister lived in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. My brother lived in uh, Irving at the time, Irving, Texas. And and so I, I think it actually at this time, I was still technically under contract for this European league. Okay. And and so we thought best place for me to train, if, if this ever does happen, is to go to Dallas because I can just stay with him. That I don't have to worry about getting a place. If right. I need to leave it, I can leave it at any mm -hmm. time. So we came to Dallas, and I dropped her off to a job interview. And we have, we have nothing <laughs> to our name at this point, right? She, she's going to Nordstrom's, Dillard's, right, trying on the outfit, right, bringing the outfit home, not removing the tags so they 
she can go into she the interview, interview and actually uh, look yeah. presentable, right? Hide yeah. the tag, then return the outfit. Yep. Nordstrom's really good about that, by the way. They'll take anything back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did it. We, we highly discouraged that, though. I know. So one particular interview, I, I drop her off, uh, and I'm just sitting in my car just thinking, what am I going to do now? I have, I have no idea. And I look across the street, and there's an L.A. fitness across the street. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking back to when I was in school, I trained. Yeah. Why not? So I walk in, and I'm like, are you guys hiring? <laughs> you know, maybe. They look out there like, for you? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so so they, they end up offering me a job on the spot. Wow. Yeah. Literally off the street. Yeah. Wow. What was your attire? What were, Like, probably unprepared, right? Not unprepared, ready for, yeah. like, Who knows a, what no I was resume, wearing. nothing. Yeah. Just, uh, no, hey, you guys I don't think I had anything with me. No, I just walked in. Yeah, I probably had to fill out a little application. Yeah. You know, they must have been desperate. Yeah. I know. They were. <laughs> Tell you what, though, now. Hey, that's the labor market. Not, not then, but now. I yeah. was, random story. I was literally at a gas station, and there were these two dudes. He had uh, one of the guys, he was, like, asking if he could get a job there. And I'm like, okay, look, I appreciate the hustle or whatever, right? But he had, like, Crocs, like, white socks on. And then he had like camo cargo shorts and then he had uh, a tank top, but it was like a t-shirt that was cut all the way up to the neck. And Phenomenal. I look, no, he had no business wearing a tank top. Was he eighth Zero grade? Business. Was he an eighth grade? It was, it was a, it was football a, player. He, he looked like an overweight, <laughs> overweight six-year-old girl. <laughs> That's the body type, right? <laughs> so I'm like, and he's, he's there hair's not brushed. I, I want to say he had like, a, a lit cigarette in his hand too <laughs> and and he's like at the register like asking if the hiring i think it was like 7 30 in the morning Dude, too. it was like odd. the courage and I'm uh, like, i love that but here's the thing though is like people need job like people need workers so bad he yeah. probably got a job i know they probably like uh can you start <laughs> yeah today yeah. you're hired you cool at the graveyard <laughs> all uh, right so so you get the job uh i mean now did you graduate with your exercise science degree okay so you have your degree in it um, so do you immediately come the boss at LA Fitness? <laughs> you know, it, it was it's weird how it happened, but for somehow, I think it was because I had had my own training business yeah. before. And so, like, you have management experience. I'm like, mm -hmm. eh, sure, not really. <laughs> Why don't you become the weekend manager? So I, right so out I'm the like, gate? two weeks in, I become the weekend manager. No way. Right? Yeah. And uh, somehow... I, I eked my way through this job, and, and I got to be an actual training manager two months in. Wow. See, uh, you say I, 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 you worked your You're way through that dude. job. Yeah, humility, because, because you, look, all the life experiences, there's no doubt. Like, I know you're downplaying it, and I appreciate the humility. But, like, you know how to lead people because of your team sports, your background, your family dynamic. I mean, there's all these things that you have. And that's what's so cool, I think, about a lot of athletes is they step into the corporate world. They don't realize that how many skills and tools translate. Like, they don't look the same. They don't, they're not executed the same. But they can translate Absolutely. if shifted and having the right lens on it, mm -hmm. right? right. And so there's so many things. And so you obviously have a great personality and are great with people. So that was easier. People like Ben who just don't like people and isn't <laughs> good with people. Like it's a little bit harder for yeah, him. Right. Yeah. But he's, it's in there somewhere. We're, we're pulling it out. No, I hate people, <laughs> but, uh, but no doubt. And then, and then now you go into an organization, it's a big company. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then 
right away. But it's no, because it's about people and it's right. about relationships. Right. It's about managing people, but then it's also about clients and making sure that like they feel important too. Absolutely. And what year are we talking at this point? So this is 2008 into 2009. Man, so, you know, the economy is shot at this point. Yes. What's personal training like at that well, time? You know, so so one thing is I didn't know the economy was shot. Neither did we. Right. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. So, <laughs> no clue. Except, except the Canadian dollar. <laughs> it was worse than the American dollar. I know that. <laughs> I definitely know that. That probably it still is, I yeah. think. Well, well, I think it's closer. No. Anyway. So... What I what I did have though is I had a lot of people coming into the gym who had lost their jobs and and I would see that right and so that was really all that I knew. So my wife and I, we really were focused on just we we went through Dave Ramsey, yeah. uh, Total Money Makeover I think it's called. Uh, we were just just focused on paying off debt. Yeah, you know we're gonna get it, get ourselves in a better spot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so. The work was was easy, you know, long hours, hard work. That wasn't a big deal to me, right? Yeah. The, the challenge, honestly, was I'm an introverted person, actually, mm. and so a big part of being a trainer and in that company was to sell personal training. Was a big part of what I was doing. You got to actually go interact with people, <laughs> right? And so I had to teach myself how to do that, how to actually build up the courage to go interact with people. Once I got through that, which took a lot of practice, and there's probably a whole other lesson in, oh my in gosh. doing that, we can, right? Yeah, we can but it's, but then what I found is a lot of these people who had lost their jobs, they actually would not interview well, and I would be very honest with them. Like, look at yourself. You haven't had a lot of these people at that time. They'd had jobs for 15, 20, yeah. 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. They hadn't been to an interview in in that period of time, and now they're actually competing for a job up against someone who's young, who has maybe new ideas, who looks the part. They haven't been sitting at a desk for 30 years, right? Yeah, and so I would tell them angle, yeah. I would say, look, would you hire you right now? Wow. And, and, and so I sold a ton of personal training in 2009. Wow. That way, yeah. yeah. Now, it, it came to, that it came came for it to get a job. It's like, I'm not going to hire you. But you're gonna pay. No, no, no. These are people. <laughs> no, these are people who lost their job. Right. Came into the gym because oh, they realized oh, I got to do oh, something oh. with my life now. Got it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Yeah. There's no way I can go interview for another job. Yeah. Right? Okay. And I got to go to the gym and get in shape, but they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what so, I love about that is. Your average trainer would have probably made the excuses of the economy's bad right now. Nobody's buying personal training. They don't have the disposable. And yet you thrived in that environment. Oh, man, I'm telling people, turn off your TV. What are you doing? Yeah. Cut off your cable. Yeah. You don't need that. Yeah. You need a job. <laughs> yeah. Right? And this is, you got to train so you can get yeah. yourself in a better oh, position, man. build yeah. confidence. And I was going to say, and that's, and that's the beauty of that, right, is, yeah, there's all these ancillary benefits. Yeah, you're in better shape. Like, you present better, but the confidence that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, the courage. I mean, there's so much that comes with, like, actually being in shape, right? right. And so, all right, so you're, you become the personal training manager, right, for, right. That, for, that, for that particular club. Okay, for that club. Was, was there, like, okay, we're, Financially, we're starting to get in a good position. Mm-hmm. We're we're comfortable. No kids yet. At no this kids point. yet. Smart. <laughs> um, and so, where was there a point where you're like, all right, what's next? Like, you, like you Absolutely. said, you yeah. early on, that's how you were, right? It yeah. was like never good enough. What's next? What's next? What, what's what's next? funny is, so when I came to Dallas, to I, I told you earlier, I worked out with the mm-hmm. Desperados. 
when I came here for that, I, I worked out at an LA fitness while mm -hmm. I was staying with my brother. He had a membership there. Mm -hmm. And at this time, you know, I, like I said, I'd been a trainer in school and I did that privately in people's homes or they would come to me. And I remember looking around at that gym and I thought, no way would I ever work in a gym. This yeah. is ridiculous, right? Yeah. And, and so there came a point, you know, a year and a half or so into working there that I stopped and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> I never wanted to be a trainer, ever. Yeah. Never wanted to work in a gym. I just happened to be good at it. I needed yeah. a job, yeah. right? And so at this point, I decided I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to pursue the medicine thing, huh. right? And so I started, uh, I, pu I put my... Uh, application out for PA school actually physician mm. assistant yeah so I started interviewing for PA school yeah while full-time job so while while, yeah, I had while still personal job. training yeah. yeah so what happened there yeah so my wife and I have a plan right we're gonna we're gonna pay off our debt we're gonna have kids in three to five years from now and anyway so she ends up I, I so I end up leaving LA Fitness uh Equinox comes around right okay. so there's, I, I could tell another story about that, I guess, but, but I have a chance to go on to Equinox. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're in fitness, that's where you want to be. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And so I'm at Equinox. The funny thing is, in order to, to actually beef up my resume for my PA school applications, I need more clinical experience. They don't take personal training as clinical work, right? Mm -hmm. And so part-time, I went and got my, my license as a certified nurse's aide, and I'm working at a nursing home. And, and so from 3 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm taking care of a, a man in his home as Wait, his nurse is a. From 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. to 8 a.m., yeah. What time are you waking up? Uh, I mean, whatever, probably 2, two, two o'clock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, then I, and then I'm the – hardly anybody knows this, actually, but then I was the personal train manager at, at the Dallas Club you started at from, you know, whatever time, 8 to whenever I, I left that day. Yeah. You thought you got up early. I was going to say, nope. Yeah. So I, did I had that. no idea. I did that for months, and I had to go back and pick up uh, this, the classes I couldn't pick up while I was playing ball in college. So I had to take uh, genetics and microbiology. So I went to community college and took those at night. Mm. So you're <laughs> – let's break this down. 3 a.m. to 5 to five a.m.? 8 a.m. 8 a.m., sorry. 3 a.m. to 8 a.m., you're taking care of a gentleman at his home. Yep. 8 a.m. to evening – you're at the Equinox, personal training manager. Right. And then after that, you're going to school? Yeah. Usually class was a 7 to 9 o'clock class, yeah. Holy oh, my God. I, yeah. yeah. Dude, dude, never, so never think too highly. Let's talk about the importance of recovery. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah. think too highly of yourself because there's always an example of somebody doing more. Wow. I had, so when, what, what did your wife think of this? Yeah, I was going to say, well, how, so how she is was, that? She was on board because, because she she's always very supportive, and mm -hmm. she knew that that's what I – at least at the time, that's what I thought that I wanted to do, mm -hmm. right? And so she was fully supportive of that, um, completely on board with it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about working in the dark. Man. We just had this conversation last week of the work that takes place literally in the dark at 3 a.m., no right? but also the dark yeah. of your mind and, and that nobody sees. And, you know, it's Instagram culture, right? I was going to say, so, of course, you documented all this on, <laughs> oh, on your no, phone and Instagram and YouTube, not right? Not a chance, yeah. no. <laughs> Did it feel like work at the time or was it you were just so driven for that goal it was like this is just what I got to do no I mean so so most of that time so the thing about working at the nursing home that was very it was it was actually life-changing for me right and and I my wife and I talk about this all the time I remember one man in particular it just stands out of my mind I got put on floor two and and that's because I was I was big and strong 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could pick up a lot of the, mm-hmm. the patients. And there's this one guy. I remember he was he was very very disabled. He couldn't do anything on his own. So we basically pick him up, put him in his wheelchair, wheel him out into the hall. And he'd sit there. But his wife was very particular about how he was to be treated. She dressed him. She came in to dress him and everything. And, and I remember that just really struck me because a lot of people, unfortunately, in the nursing home are just left there by themselves. Yeah. She was very, very involved. So and she I, would come she would every come day every or day. she would li- she lived there? She would come in every day. Oh, wow. Come in every day. Okay. And so I remember looking over at his, he had a little uh, vanity, you know, on his, on his, in his, you know, his clothes were at. I remember seeing pictures. It didn't look so far off from how he looked then, right? And just asking around, I find out that was within the last two or three years. They'd been on a deep sea fishing trip, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this guy was like this, smiling, laughing with it. All he can do now is grunt. So oh three gosh. years ago, he's vibrant, mm-hmm. right? For all I know, full of life, right? Interacting with her. Now he can't even recognize her. Right. Mm. And it was it was so impactful to me just thinking about how how we go through life and most people expect, you know, I'm gonna live to be seventy, eighty yeah. years old and then I will stop mm-hmm. and enjoy life. Right. right? Mm. Anyway, that really really stuck to me. So oh. yeah. God, powerful. Yeah. So so my point is at that time I think the focus was trying to give the best care that I could for those yeah. people because I just would see that it's so so important. Really. So, how is the difference between you know your your patients at the nursing home and then your clients at a very high end club, right? Right. So, was there was there like a a perspective shift a little bit? To, for me, not really, and I, I think it's because you know, especially at a fitness club like Equinox, people think that it, it's you know, of course, it's very luxury, it's yeah. very high end, you know. It has a reputation that it has, but but at the end of the day, everyone who's who's working out to accomplish something, whatever that something is, mm-hmm. is unique to them, mm-hmm. right? And so, if somebody says, "Okay, I'm I'm hiking Antarctica or Mount Rainier," like that's my that's my thing that I'm training for. Yeah. To me, that's no different than the focus that I put, making sure I I take care of somebody trying to carry him to his wheelchair, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it's as important to him mm-hmm. to make it to his wheelchair yeah. as it is for this person to for whatever their reason is to climb yeah. Mount Rainier. Yeah. yeah. So how long did you go about the schedule? How long were you doing? So I this? did I did that for for right about a year, just just under a year. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, just under a year. And then you were done with school, you graduated or you got your classes done. So I finished the schooling that I needed to pick up the classes. I started interviewing. Uh, and I get a phone call from my wife, and she says, I'm at Equinox, right? And she says, I know hey, this is going. <laughs> would you still go to school? Would you still go to PA school if we were pregnant? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> no, I wouldn't still go to school if we are pregnant. She hangs up, right? And I'm like, that was weird. Never, never did it dawn on me that when I got home that night, she was going to break the news to me that we were pregnant. Oh. Uh. Yeah. I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, We are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids, 
it is endless. The things that they've not only improved, but added, um, but it's just an, the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, but it's just a short drive up 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. And this was 2000. So this is 2000 in. And uh, so it's 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 kind of crazy. Actually, we were married in 2009, mm-hmm. right? And we find out six months after that that we're pregnant. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't because we were being irresponsible or something, actually. Right. We, I still yes. don't know how we got pregnant. Just I know how. So it, ha- it literally happened to us. We got pregnant. It was a year. You had sexual intercourse. That's how. That's how you- <laughs> I know that part. <laughs> I just had, this, just had this conversation with my <laughs> um, antibiotics, man. Antibiotics got us. Really? My wife was on birth control. She'd been on it for, sorry, babe, super personal. Um, <laughs> she'd been on it since she was like 15. Yeah. Never missed never missed the schedule, whatever. And uh, gosh, how ignorant do I sound right there? Um, <laughs> but she, she got sick and was on a cycle of antibiotics, and we literally got pregnant. And we were wow. in zero position to get pregnant. Ugh. Like, I was out of, we had just gotten married. I'd spent six months in the arena league and then another two months, three months in the UFL and then another month then in the NFL. But like I was, we had been married a year and we'd been together, like actually lived together for like three weeks. Yeah. And, (laughs) and so, so then like we get pregnant in January, right when I get home, I mean, find out in February, but um, yeah, antibiotics, man. Be, hey, be careful out there. Those damn antibiotics. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So how were you guys, like, like were you, were you, I mean, you weren't planning on a child. Not then, at but, all. But were you okay, at least financially? Not at all. No. No, no. I mean, so, I mean, we were just throwing everything we had at paying off debt. She mm. had school debt. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I played poker. Uh, when I was in, you know, when I was in, bouncing in between, yes, you had bookies giving you calls, but it didn't mean that I won every time, right? <laughs> and so I had, I had some, I had some debt, Oof, and and, and yeah. so we were, we were working on paying all that stuff yeah. off. So a hundred percent, we were not didn't, ready. Didn't didn't want your knees broken. No, <laughs> no, I did not. And then you were throwing another curveball. Not yeah. only were y'all pregnant, but tell us about the pregnancy and yeah. And so what so, I mean, I think you you. When when it finally hits you that you're you're going to be a father, right? In my case, and I find out it's going to be a boy, uh, and I think you imagine that that's going to go one way, right? You you think about, you know, oh, I remember the doctor's appointments that we would go to, and you know, you have an anatomy scan, that's where you find out it's a boy, you know, and I know it's probably you find out a lot sooner now than yeah. we did then, but but all the things I'm thinking about my wife getting fat. You know, as she goes through this and how much fun that's going to be all the way through that, that whole journey. And so we're, we're 24 weeks, really. We just crossed the, the mark, 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I remember, of course, I'll never forget it. We had my uh, oldest brother and his wife over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And right before they show up for dinner, uh, my wife says, Hey, something weird happened. There was blood when I went to the bathroom. And I'm like, we got to go right now. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a, a a southern woman, right? She's like, I'm hosting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, not going, going anywhere. anywhere right <laughs> There's now, people coming. You know? <laughs> so we have dinner. After dinner, I'm like we got to go to the doctor. 
And so we go to the doctor, we, we walk in, you know, we think we're just going, coming in, a little checkup. Mm-hmm. And they send us to labor and delivery, and we're like, what are we doing here? They give us a room, they check us in and everything. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I try not to break down going mm-hmm. through this, but I, so I'll never forget it. She's laying in the bed, she's got all the stuff on her, and, and it's still not hitting me what's happening. And I don't know that it really hit her. And I remember looking at the, the nurses that are coming in, and I'm like, where's the doctor? Like, what's the deal? And they said, honey, you're having a baby. She's in, del- she's in labor. She's 24 weeks pregnant, right? So she's like, we're going to do everything we can to stop it. So they, they give her all, all the different meds that they can give her. Um, we're going to do everything we can to stop it. And so, so that's... That's, let's see, that's probably 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening. Contractions slow down, and it feels like, you know, okay, we might make, we have no idea what making it through this might be. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like how long can you stop this. that? I mean, so, so what happens is they say, if we can get it stopped, you're going to go on bed rest. You'll be on bed rest mm-hmm. the rest of your pregnancy, but you can go on bed rest, right? They do, um, like, magnesium drip. They do magnesium, they do, yeah. They do multiple things mm-hmm. that, that can actually slow that process down. Yeah. So she says the magnesium was like, literally felt like her body was on fire yeah. when that happened. Yeah. yeah, my wife was on it for three days. I guess you're only supposed to do it for like two days max at a time or something like that. When the twins were born, because mm. we were not, but we were 34 weeks. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Sorry, I don't. No, no. That. It's it's so ultimately they can't stop it, and, and it was about eight thirty in the morning or so. They they said, hey, it's happening. And so you go from a, of a room, the room is probably this size, and she's got one doctor. And I mean, all of a sudden, this room fills up with medical personnel, right? I'm still trying to figure out what in the world yeah. is going on, right? Yeah. How is it even possible? How do you have a baby at 24 weeks, right? And, and I, I, I still could not wrap my mind around what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. I had called my brother, and I'm like, he, he could, I mean, how do you explain that story? He had just seen us at dinner time, right? And he's like, what? What do you mean you're in labor? And so I'm, I'm trying to work through this. We called her parents. Her parents are, are trying to drive down. And and then this, this room fills up. I mean, he's got, there, there's all kinds of doctors, nurses everywhere. And I go from hoping she keeps him in somehow to he's coming, right? And so nine oh nine in the morning that morning he's born and and he's one pound ten ounces. What's crazy is it's our one year anniversary, right? So I'll never forget they he he flies out, right? The, the doctor, you know, they've got a bend to try to catch him because mm-hmm. he's tiny, right? Yeah, one pound. They they pick him up. She shows him real quick. It's a boy, and then he's gone. They whisk him away. They put him in the neonatal care unit, and and he's gone. And it's just she and I in there. And and something hit me that I remember it was our anniversary. And I, I, I look at her, I'm like, happy anniversary. It's our one-year anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then doc, and so I, I, I try to follow him out. I see him. They wheel him to the NICU. And that's it. I have no idea if he's alive. I have no idea. I don't know what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And at that point, my in-laws had made it by that point. And I just, my father-in-law was there with me and I just collapsed on the floor and, and anyway, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. He lived, 
he's 11 years old now. Lincoln, right? Uh, Kenyon. Kenyon. Lincoln yeah, is, Lincoln is, is after him, yeah. Yeah, the first, and for those of us that have kids, the first one uh, for a typical birth is a whirlwind. Yeah. And when everything goes smoothly. I can't imagine. I mean, you're playing from behind the entire time just trying time. to figure out what's going on. And you yeah. can't even hold him. He goes off to Nick. You. How long was he in there ultimately? Yeah. 104 days. Yeah. 104 days. So, so literally that changed everything for us, right? So she, you know, it's, it's, I, I think I don't really go, I don't tell the story enough, honestly, to go back to that. And she wrote a book about it once upon a time and then never really did anything with it. Um, that that in and of itself was, I mean, it's a life changing, yeah. being a, being a new parent, yeah, life changing experience, but now you're in a battle every day, daily, right? Every day, daily. And life doesn't stop. No. Right. You've got responsibilities. You've got bills to pay. You've yeah. got debt. Now yeah, you're so racking so up other debt. That's the first debt. thing that happens. The, yeah. the very first thing that happens is the, the hospital coordinator comes in and, and wants to know how you're going to pay for it. Right. Well, it's maybe the second thing. The first thing is they tell you all the different things that are going to go wrong with him. And, and he, he had a less than a 25% chance of survival. I remember that number. Uh, and then the next person that comes in wants to know how you're paying for it. Yeah. Let's not breeze over that. So they come in, I think I think I remember this correctly. They tell you what his life is going to look like. Absolutely. Not just the next however oh, many yeah. weeks. His whole life, his whole they're life. laying out for you. Hey, he'll never be able to do this. He'll never be able to do that. Yeah. He's always in it. He'll probably never be able to walk. He'll be mentally retarded. I mean, he's. He, he, you're dealing with a vegetable at this point is what they're telling us, right? And so you have the choice to continue his life <sighs> or for the sake of, I can't remember how, how they call that, but for the sake of, of his life, the fact that he's going to be a vegetable, we can choose not to save him, which was a no-brainer really? for us. Yeah, that was never consideration. Yeah. We're, oh, we're going. My. See, I, we, have a, we have a close friend that delivered at 25 weeks. Um, I didn't know that that was. So 24 really. weeks is the cutoff. They don't even attempt to save the baby yet, below 24 weeks. Wow. Yeah. They're not viable. <sighs> I guess, outside of the womb. How are you processing all this? You know, until you asked me that question, I don't know how I really did, but probably for both of us, everything that we had been through in our lives, the survival all the way through at this point in our lives had probably prepared us mm. for this, right? Um, I'm trying to figure out, I have to work, yeah. right? I have a full-time job. Um, that That club itself was one year open, so struggling to really get going. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the only manager in my department at that time, so who's going to, you know, I'm, I'm sure I had appointments or meetings or something going on that day, right? So who's who's taking care of that stuff? She has a full-time job, and so she quit her job. She called her employer. Her employer actually was there, but she told her, I can't I can't work. I can't leave his side, right? Mm -hmm. and, and one thing that was, that was so important for us is we didn't, we really didn't leave his side. So she... We, we were around the clock, so I, the nurse changed usually at 6 o'clock or so. Um, so I would come in from about 6.30 in the morning to about 8 o'clock. Not the first time I've done that in my life. <laughs> so I would do that, and, and then my wife would be getting to the hospital at that point. So then I would leave when she got there. Uh, I would go to work for until the afternoon, you know, 2 o'clock or so. Uh, and then I would come in to the NICU, hang out with them for a little bit. Then I would leave and go back to work. She stayed there the whole day. I came back after work, 
We'd stay there till midnight or so. One of us would go home and sleep, or if we could, we both would go home, and we did it again. We did that for 104 <laughs> days. And, and it's a tough, you know, that that is probably a whole other podcast in and of itself, that that experience over mm-hmm. that period of time. He was he was up and down the entire time. He ended up getting H1N1, which is a swine flu, yeah. while he was while he was there. He had a, 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 a MRSA, he had a serratia marcescens when he was there. They, they had to fly in an infectious disease specialist at that point because clinically he didn't show – physically he didn't show anything was wrong, but clinically he was off the charts. The white blood cell count was very high. They couldn't figure out what it was. So they gave him this drug that had only ever been used in adults, and he's two pounds at this oh point, right? Gosh. So we, I remember signing the paperwork for that one, and they say, look, it's not a question of, of is this going to cause brain damage. It will cause brain damage for him. But if we don't do this – your son's going to die, right? So we signed that one, and, and they gave him that drug, to, you know, to treat that. And he actually was – we were on a track to go home um, probably about a month before we actually went home, and then he, and then he got the H1N1, and that, that set him back. So we ended up – we were able to get him transferred to another hospital at that point um, because there were some things happening why he kept getting infections while he's at the hospital, right? Yeah. And so we ended up transferring to another hospital, and and at that point we didn't leave his side after that. And so that was probably a good three or four weeks at that point. Mm. So then he came home. 104 days later, four pounds, five ounces, big boy. So he's finally due his somewhat due date, or at yep. least closer to Close it. To, yeah. yeah. And now you're starting from the point that most people start at, which right. is life with a newborn. Yeah. The challenge there, though, is is up to this point we have machines and doctors yeah. telling us how feeding to feeding tubes right? and yeah. So now we yeah we so we had a feeding tube. Well, that that we didn't have the feeding tube yet. We at that point we just it was like staring at him. Is he going to stop breathing at any moment? Yeah. Right? There's no monitor yeah. to tell you if he's still breathing, if his heart's still beating. So I don't think either of us slept. We were staring at him the whole time, just worrying about you know is he still alive yeah. and, and what can we do. But but he was he was struggling with feeding, yeah. and and so we had to go in for a, a barium swallow study. Found that he was aspirating because he it just wasn't developed. His suck swallow breathe wasn't developed correctly. So then he had to go on a feeding tube. And and when they went to put the feeding tube in, they said, you know, he can't go home. We're so back in the hospital, right? Can't go home until you guys both show competency putting this. In and out, taking care oh of it. Oh, my gosh. And we're like, well, how long does that normally take? And they said, well, normally people are here for about a week or so. Well, who teaches us? Bring them in now. Yeah. Right? We were out that day. We got, yeah. we got 30, we got 30 <laughs> minutes. True story. We were gone. We were out that day. Wow. We were just like, teach us. We'll get it yeah. done, and we're going okay. home. We're not staying in the hospital. Let me let me ask how you're a year married, right? That's yep. And, and you, you dated for a couple years, knew each other kind of a little bit, but – a year in, typically, the first year of marriage is the hardest year, right? Because you're learning now to live with a new person, share things. Like, it's hard. Then throw this on top of it. Yeah. That's six How months that? in, by and the way. I mean, and, and by the way, all the time before is you're literally gone at 3 a.m. and home yeah. at 11 p.m., right? So how was, how was the relationship with your wife at that point? I mean, because that, that can ruin make i mean make or break right like okay either we're coming together here or like we just can't handle it somehow we we managed to push through but i I will i will admit there was there was a moment when she was at the hospital with him 
I had gone to our apartment and, and I probably took a shower or something. And I remember it's raining outside and I'm sitting outside the hospital and I thought to myself, I didn't sign up for this, mm. right? This is not how I thought this was going to go. I had to really think hard about walking back into the hospital, yeah. right? And I, and I remember watching my dad walk away at many, many years ago, of course, and I thought, there's, there's no way. There's no way that I can do that. But, but I, I, I can't say that I didn't contemplate yeah. at that point. Oh, don't blame See, me. I appreciate you sharing that because that's real. Yeah. And that's, and that's authentic because those thoughts happen, right? We all have those thoughts. Like whether, you know, your firstborn son was born at 24 weeks and you're living in the hospital or you're on your third healthy child living in the suburbs and life is good. Like those thoughts are, those thoughts come in and out of our heads. But man, I, I love that you're like, no, I committed to this. I'm yep. in. I wish we had more men um, like that. And you know, you go back to your junior high football story. It's like, can't quit. Yeah. Like I'm not going to. Absolutely. And, and that's that resilience that like, again, I think our generation needs to continue, needs to do a better job of imparting on to the younger generation so that put an end to your pa and, oh, yeah. and those you know dreams of doing something like so you you were i don't say stuck but you had to well, make the most of I was, yeah you had to make right? the most of what you were doing at, at yeah. equinox so she lost her job she had a good income and now i gotta pay for him i gotta pay for therapy insurance doesn't cover m almost all of that right <laughs> mm. they, they cover medical expenses but they don't cover a lot of the therapies that he need, or yeah. really any of the therapies he needed, and so I had to, I had to double down, and so mm -hmm. I had to make up for her income, mm -hmm. uh, and the only way that I can do that is to win, in in at sure. work. Yeah, and you did. Yeah, Big I time. did. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your mind most? I mean, there's no way. That's the amazing part to me is that you were able to excel and perform when I know your mind wasn't there. You know, at least half your mind was at home. Yeah. You know, a family. You know, I, I, I guess it's just one, being good at one would then serve the other, right? right. And so, you know, I, I, I think I never got away. Not that it ever left my mind, right? I, I always was thinking about them because whatever I was doing was serving, mm. you know, being able to take care of them. And, yeah. and so I, I didn't have the option to come home and tell her, Hey, I know that he needs, there's, there's a $3,000 shot, you know, cash. Mm -hmm. He can't cover the insurance. I know that he needs that shot, but I didn't get it done, so we can't do it. I was yeah. scared to go talk to that guy on the treadmill. Yeah. I couldn't do it. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. God. So how, so how did he progress over the years? Because you said he's 11 now. He's 11 now, yeah. What, yeah. what's. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have no idea uh, just seeing him at 11. He has challenges that, mm -hmm. that he deals with, but at 11 mm -hmm. years old, you would have no idea. Really? You just saw him. You know, he, I, he's, I will attest. I didn't see him or interact with him much, but I did see, and I'll mm -hmm. attest to that. You're exactly yeah. right. You wouldn't know just by looking at him. Right. Size wise, how how he's, is he? Most people see him. I, I always think he's undersized. But, yeah. But you know, really, I think a lot of that has to do with with we we feed our kids very healthy, and yeah. they're and yeah. they eat right. So yeah. Yeah. like M and M's, like I had before the show, right? <laughs> right. But a lot a lot of kids are just over over. They're too big sure. right now, right? But yeah. but he, a lot of people see him and they say that he's tall. I think he's tall for his age. He, I mean, he he went from being some. So my wife will be mad at me for not knowing this very well, but I think he went from being in 
less than one percentile of height and weight. To, he's like in the seventieth, eighth percentile. Is he really? Height, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so eleven is what grade? So he's so he just started what he's going into fifth grade. He, oh my we, gosh. We, we held him back yeah. one year, but he's going yeah. into fifth and grade. And school, he's doing he's doing great. Yes. Yeah, he was he was uh, for the most part he was a straight A student last year. That's amazing. And is he able to be at the public? He's in so the no. Public. So we actually. So my uh, my wife by uh, education was a teacher. Her first job, she uh-huh. was a teacher. So we homeschool. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, and we do a university model. So we yeah. homeschool two days a week, and they go to school three days a week. Okay. See, both boys do. Both boys okay. do. Yeah. And that vaccine for the H one N one was going to ruin all his chances at being right. See, and that's gosh, man, that's what's like heartbreaking about and. How many parents have been told you need you need to terminate? He's not going to have a life. Yeah. It's going to be too hard for him. It's going to be this, and they and they listen, right? And they listen to a doctor. And we've talked about this multiple times. I talked to my wife about it, right? A lot of times we <laughs> will listen to a doctor like they're like they're a god, right? And that oh my gosh, you know everything. You know everything. They're people too. They're flawed. I'm Absolutely. not. It's not. I don't think they're trying to hurt anything, but I just. I can't imagine how many men and women today that their parents said, no, I'm going to, we're seeing this through that have like made an unbelievable contribution to society and have done amazing things. And then I I just wonder how many never got that chance that could have been. No question. Like your son. And and I have to credit my wife to all of that. Right. I I think I went to work and put my head down and and made it happen, but his actual care and, and to this day, she her. did. She never left his side. So the doctors, the thing about the doctors is they would come in and you, you have one who has a certain agenda that they they focus in on this part of his testing mm-hmm. results, right? And they put him on this this path. This is the direction that we're going. And then, and then on Friday night, a new doctor comes in and they're like, well, they'll be here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, by the way. That's it. Mm-hmm. But they're going to change direction of care right yeah and so she had a nope i mean she was challenging nurses and doctors they'd come in without a Good. glove she's like well don't come in here without that glove Good. i mean she's a mama bear right Good. and so so she was all over it yeah, yeah. so is he able to do sports and things he or? does yeah Good. yeah so he he uh played baseball uh this this past Amazing. season and and he's he's hoping to play either he's signed up to play flag football this year Good awesome him, man yeah. awesome yeah that's, a, that's so great and he's just leading is he living longer than they initially projected is he i mean so so really what it was for him was once he got past an initial say so so with with premiums, essentially, uh, as as you grow, you develop, right? Yeah. So there's a significant difference between 24 and 25 weeks, 25 and 26 or 27 yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. Once you start getting, so I, I want to say they give him a, a 25% chance of, of just surviving, right, at 24 weeks. But the baby who was next to us in the NICU was 27 weeks, he had a, a 97% chance of survival, right? So just the three weeks difference. Jeez. Yeah. Made it made a big difference. Yeah, like right? days are big deals. Yeah. Like even for us, much later, thirty four, getting to thirty four weeks, like three days was like a big deal. Like she did that magnesium drip, and then it was like, okay, we're done with this, and then we got to get two more days. Like we, like it's a big deal, and it's. I think at that point, it's a big. It's lungs. Like was the biggest right. thing. There's a because they're sticky earlier, and there's a fluid that is released at a certain stage. 
um, and so that they're not sticky so they can actually start to breathe on their own, like, and they wouldn't have to Absolutely. be on oxygen. Yeah. So um, the, the longer it went, it was less about yes. survival. It was more about just development. What is, life. Yeah. What's it he going to quality of life. Yeah. So, yeah. so what is he going to be able to do mm. in his life? Yeah. And, and what other ailments is, you know, medical concerns, whatever might happen. So yeah. we've, we've done a ton of therapy and, and things yeah. like that for him, but. So at this point now, I mean, is he is he still on or uh, like a therapy regimen? Is he still doing certain things like, hey, look, we got to be proactive, or we've we, there's certain things that we've got to still continue to develop at we're, this point. We're, we're super careful with his immune system, but he has a very healthy immune system. Okay, but but one of the things we try to avoid, if at all possible, is antibiotics. Yeah, right. So so if we can keep him off of of that, and we mm-hmm. can we can keep ahead of his care, then yeah. then he's yeah. fine awesome it's just he didn't have his own immune system yeah. right and so we've we were very very careful really his entire life mm-hmm. um and he he gets upper respiratory uh infections, infections and yeah. illnesses quite a bit yeah and so we just we just have to really monitor that so how was the last two years like in your crazy two and a half scary, years yeah. in your so that, in your home and your your job is being well right mo- i guess i don't know where you're at now but mostly was being around people yeah absolutely yeah. So, you know, what's funny is, is actually since COVID, my whole take on, on things around just hygiene and, and health has changed a little bit because I was a little bit obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. with it, right? So to see him in the NICU, you go in, you scrub in, gown and glove, mask, everything. And so when I was, I was still training whenever I was, I was managing and training whenever he was early on in his, in his uh, early childhood years. And if, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't train Ben closer than we're sitting right now, right? Mm. It, at least from October through February, where yeah. it might be flu season, right? Right. And, and if you came in with a cough or sniffles or something, do not even get close to me because I'm yeah. not going to train you, yeah. right? I was very careful about that. I wouldn't close a door if somebody was going to come into my office. Don't close the door. It's always going to be open. So I was very careful. I don't touch doorknobs. You know, I had gloves in my car. Before COVID, I had gloves and masks in my car. I would strip whenever I first got home in the garage walk mm. in and shower before I go see him. So I did all of that mm-hmm. um, prior to this. We actually moved in with my in-laws in Arkansas mm-hmm. during COVID uh, just to get him out of Dallas yeah. so that I could, because we were reopening our clubs, yeah. I needed to be here and, and, and work. And I still end up getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just hard. It's a whole other, yeah. 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 So, and I know we're, you know, we're going – this has been an amazing. I, I wanted yeah. to get to a lot of. I mean, we're, you have to come back. In other words, yeah, pretty what I'm much. Trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to come That'd back. But yeah, so not and not to fast forward anything. You know, you got this whole thing going on at home, personal life, but you're also now really excelling in your career, and you keep getting these promotions, you keep advancing in your career, and you're doing really good things. And then, as we just touched on, the whole world shuts down. Yeah, and the fitness industry was hit as hard as anybody else. What was now hearing your story? I'm like, dude, that, that was a breeze. That must have been a breeze for you. Like, no big deal. But what was that like? Yeah. In your so, industry, for your role, how, how did you lead through that time? Yeah. I, I was so arrogantly confident going into it because I, I, I sold a ton of personal training during the Great Recession, right? Yeah. And I had heard at that time, I don't know where this stuck to me in my, in my brain, but that two things that will always do well during an economic downturn are fitness and liquor sales. Right. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm in fitness, so I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Right. 
And I'll never forget, this is March of 2020. I'm in Austin, Texas. We just opened up four new clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was in Austin. And we were about to launch for Equinox an indoor bike, right? So if SoulCycle is, is uh, oh, yeah. one of our uh-huh. companies. And so we were about to launch an indoor bike with SoulCycle. So I'm in Austin touring for this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, we we just opened four clubs. Momentum is, is you know, in front of us. I mean, I, I, I thought everything... It's just moving forward, and and we'll be totally fine. And then I and then it started coming out that we were, were going to have to close some of our clubs. It, it never hit me that that would actually be a reality. And the hard, I think, really the hardest conversations were 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 in that just telling people, hey, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. We have to close, and and we did right by people during sure. that period of time. We compensated people as best as we could during that period of time. Those were it was tough. You have no idea, and then you, and then immediately, I probably didn't. I probably worked more during COVID closure than I ever have my whole life. Really, mm. no. Just trying to get the trying systems in place. How rebound. How long did y'all have to actually shut the doors? Nobody come in. How long? Depends on on which yeah. club you or which which city yeah. you were in. So yeah. so here in in Dallas. I want to say we were only closed for three to five. Months. I can't remember exactly because it all blends. Yeah, that's about together. right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think it was months. like it was like late late summer. Yeah, when things started to open back. So March the to heat, June, right? July. It doesn't survive. Yeah, that, the heat. Right. well, you get your bleach in the heat, and you're good to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, and Equinox is heavy heavy presence in New York City and LA. Correct. Obviously, two of the hardest. Where are headquarters? New York City. Yeah. New York City. So you're in more of a. Um, liberal type state right uh-huh. mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that's necessarily the company but but you're you're more aware of it because that's the that's where the absolutely. executives are making the decisions absolutely so. so that so that was what i found myself in an interesting battle is is always trying to be a voice for the field teams but i mm-hmm. i'm a corporate employee right yeah. yeah and so now now you're getting into so we start reopening texas florida chicago uh and then it was some of our other markets, D.C., Boston area, then New York, L.A., Canada, and then they close, U.K., they close, reopen, close, reopen. Yeah. So you're dealing with that, you know, significant loss of, of employees, right? People yeah. went on and did something else or they, they just feel uneasy about, about yeah. things, right? And then we start dealing with vaccination mandates, right? And so you've got you've got difference in in people's beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in different states and cities, et cetera. Yeah. And so, and and you're so all of that. I I never thought that those would be the things that we'd be navigating, but but that was the biggest part of that time. That's one thing I think we overlook and maybe take for granted, or don't appreciate is people that manage large groups of people, like the pressure of that. Because I can't imagine how many conversations you had with your team. Now, I, I mean, let's say at the peak, how many peop, how many trainers would technically fall under the personal training, like, umbrella that you were on top of? Um, I, mean, I mean, we're, thousands. we're, we're, we're about, you know, just under 2,000. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've got all of the, like you said, have different opinions, different thoughts, different beliefs, you know, different backgrounds, there's so many different things that they're they're hearing, seeing, feeling, believing, and ultimately those maybe not all of them came directly to you, but you carry the weight of all of them. Absolutely. Right? And now you've got to now you've got to lead the leaders of these people right. on how to respond to those correctly. Yeah. Not not cause a lawsuit for your company. Right. But then also do right by people. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's easy to demonize 
you know, these people making these decisions and, yeah. you know, the mandates or shutting things down. But you're all of a sudden asked to be this expert in some disease yeah. that nobody's ever seen before. Absolutely. You're having to lead people. Yeah. You're trying to navigate all that. So, it's e again, it's easy to demonize when you're removed from it. But for you, it's like that's not what you do. That's not your profession. Right. You're just trying to do the best for right. the people that you lead. 100%. And so it, it'd be easy to blame, you know, this mandates and things like that. But it's like we're just doing the best we can. I, I remember having conversations with, you know, some of our decision makers at, our, at Ben and I's real estate company. And there were things that, like, that had to be done within the office. Everybody's looking around like, are you okay with this? No. Are you okay with this? No. Like, nobody was okay with it. But then, like, what's great is, like, our leadership, like, we can go have that conversation. Right. And we can be like, hey. And they're like, listen, I don't want it either. Like, the last thing I want is to do any of this. Yeah. But there's so many unknowns. What if we're wrong? Right. Yeah. Like, what if we allow this? And what if we allow that? Like, what if? Like, Well, it's, it's I remember sitting down and having dinner with, with you know, some of our leaders and, and saying, listen, I, I, I just want to make sure you hear the other side, regardless of how I personally feel. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have to represent mm -hmm. some other people who are, who are coming to me saying, yeah. here's how I feel, mm -hmm. you know, for or against, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I will say that, you know, I, I feel very blessed to have mm -hmm. even a leadership team that said, we're, we're trying to, to do the best we can with yeah. what little information yeah. we have. Yeah. Kind of gives you like some perspective, and I know like a lot of people joke about, especially our last two presidents, right? Like a lot joke about whatever incompetence, whatever. You think about it, like you are in charge of a country that is as free as any other country on the planet. The different opinions, different beliefs. You cannot make everybody happy. No, like no the Not complexity yeah. that it takes. Yeah. Now. Is that an excuse to, to call it two Corinthians? No, that's not an excuse. I'm, not, I'm never going to forgive that. Is it an excuse to make up numbers? No, it's not an excuse to make up numbers. Sorry, I'm joking, Ben. You're looking at me super serious. I feel like it's like either you're looking through me and ignoring me. Saying, wait, where are you going? I know. But it's like, but, but it does give you some empathy for that because it's, it's I don't impossible. envy that. Yeah, I don't envy that it's role impossible. of having to like make those to, And again, CEOs, you know, boards, like the decisions that ha have had to be made over the last two years. I can't yeah. even imagine that. I no. mean, I, the way I, I guess, not regardless of how you feel about whoever is in the office, mm -hmm. if you really think about, let's just say somebody wins by fifty-one percent. Yeah. Right. Forty-nine percent of people did not vote yeah. for you. Yes. Right? Yes. No matter which side yeah. you're on, you're talking millions of people yeah. do not want you to do that job. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what that yeah. would be like. And we're in like a hater aid culture too. So for it's sure. like, if I didn't vote for you, I'm looking for you to right. fail. And I'm going to, and I'm going to expose everything that I can. And like, it's, we're in such a time where, you know, you mentioned earlier, like being very patriotic as a family, like that is so is missing. It's like, look, okay. I didn't vote for you, but you still lead right. our country. Yeah. And, like, I'm all for it. Like, okay, that's gone. Here we go. People decided. Now it's all about our country. And it, I just, man, I wish it wasn't so polarizing. Like, I yeah. want you to fail because you're not my selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, But there's elements of the leadership 
that's lacking, right, that you can judge, but you're right, the, the job overall, it's tough to judge the job overall. There's aspects of it where it's like, yeah, I wish they'd be better leaders here or there, but. No doubt, no doubt. You know, yeah, that's. Well, but here's the deal, guys. That's what we had to choose from. Right, right. Like, we just need more leaders. We need more leaders to step up. Yep. We, we really do. We need people that if, if they're not good enough, well, let's, let's get the other ones to step up. Let's encourage them. Let's stop being a-holes to all of our politicians, yeah. right? Let's, let's make that job realistic. Like, uh, for me, people always joke about me being the mayor of Frisco or Salina or whatever. Nah, that sounds like the worst job ever because <laughs> yeah. my family is going to suffer because of it. That's no the thanks. problem. The, the people that do it are the ones that you don't want somebody who wants to do it to be yeah, in that role. <laughs> that's right. Well, you, honestly, it used to be that you would you would sacrifice, right? Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave my farm yep. for two years. Yeah. Right, Ben, why don't you watch after my farm and family? Right. And then when I come back, it's your turn. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. It was get in, get out. Do yeah. your time, get out. Now it's a career, right. which has its manipulations and, and yeah. you know corruption and things like that. But going back to you personally, was there ever a time where you were worried, concerned for your personal job status? I mean, I'm assuming layoffs Absolutely, and things. Yeah. And, and how did how did that, sure. how'd that go? Absolutely. About? I, you know, I don't know what what it was like for everyone else because I was so focused in on, you know, what I was doing. Um, but I would say there definitely was a time where I had to question that. And we, we had to take a lot of, of hits. I mean, it's still hard to recover and we're still recovering sure. personally from that. Right. Well, so it's, it was, it, there was definitely some times where I thought, I don't know. Matter of fact, I even volunteered to be part of, of a, of a tax force to come up with how do we, do some of these things because I thought it'd be some job preservation. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna sign up for everything. Hey, let me let me be the committee that decides who gets canned. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm gonna be indispensable. I'm good though, right? Like I'm yeah. gonna right. make sure that's part of the deal. So so 2022 still this day. I imagine some city, but here here in Dallas, how's the recovery been from yeah, Dallas' it's, perspective? It's, it's across the board. What, what I would say is that that we are seeing a lot of new member growth, right? Good. So so. Really, in every market, for the most part, people are wanting to get back out mm -hmm. and yeah. and exercise, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, there, there's a lot of different things, you know, if, if you're going to be doing things digitally, which we, we have an answer for everything, really, and we keep evolving what we're doing. But, but ultimately, people want to be in person, yeah. mm -hmm. right? That's been really clear, I think. We have new members joining always. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think now we just see that there's a lot of different competitors, right? Yeah. And so how do you stay relevant in a in an industry where a lot of people in the last two years have really doubled down on, yeah. on where they think that yeah. direction of the industry yeah. is going, right? A lot of innovation, yeah. for sure. A lot of innovation. Man, I'll tell you what. I, I had high expectations coming in. I yeah, knew this was going to be good, but... You, there's so much of your story, and I feel like I knew you well and know you well. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much of your story that so, and, and I think that's kudos to you for not wearing that on your. Not that it's a bad thing to wear on your sleeve, but you took care of business. You never made excuses. You you led well through all, and half the time it's like you're dealing with all this stuff at home, and you never let anybody know that. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing if you did, but I'm just saying it's amazing that you navigated all that so well. And, and not let, hid that, but let me, let me, but, let me ask you something. Cause I think it's something that men struggle with through, through, um, Kenyon, 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 
through his birth, through that challenge, did you have, did you have anyone personally that you could talk to, could go to like guys, we struggle with that, right? Like right. kind of just hold it all in. But did you have anybody, I mean, a brother that you could go and just like, look, I'm struggling or I've got this or did you yeah, have I think, I think that? I did have that, you know, to be honest, I wish I used that outlet a lot more, mm. right? Because, you know, I feel like if we're not careful, we carry so much inside that, that eventually the volcano erupts, mm. right? Mm. And, and I can definitely recognize that. Uh, I, I have definitely had some, some friends, uh, mentors at, at different times that I feel like I could reach out to. I can't say that I did a great job doing it. Mm. One, one of the challenges that I have found is it's difficult sometimes to find someone else who's gone through the same thing or, yeah. or can experience, you know, maybe what I'm going through at the same level. Mm -hmm. And, and so it makes it difficult to have an outlet, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I wish I used it I better. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Well, man, seriously, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing you. that. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I highly respect you before even more so now. Um, Really appreciate you sharing. What, seriously, would love to have you back. Yeah. Because there's, so there's, like, some specific things that, like, we, like, touched on. But, like, I'd like to – I mean, we could yeah. dive into – There's I mean, a the leadership aspect, leading through chaos, mm -hmm. even little stuff – not little stuff, but parts of your story at first on, you know, sales training. And, and yeah. you're sure. an introverted person and overcoming – like, there's so much good How do you teach value. personal trainers to not solicit – personal training by hitting on girls <laughs> <laughs> that's good I, I, I let me know when you figure it out yeah, seriously seriously yeah you know, oh. I, I don't know I, I i think it's i i hope at, at least at a place like equinox mm -hmm. there's a different experience yeah. with that yeah but no but, there is but, you know, there's, I, I will say this, <laughs> I will it, say it's this. It's almost comedy though. Yeah. Like. I was trying to teach, I, I was trying to think about how do I teach sales training differently, right? Yeah. And so, so I, I got an audio book called The Game, mm. right? Which is the art of the pickup. Then I realized I needed to explain to my wife why I just bought this book. Picking up. And then I have this app that I'm swiping. It's research, man. It's research. It's re the books that I had prospects. Jim prospects. Uh, actually, there's there's a lot of a lot of similarities between the mm. art of being a, a, a pickup artist mm -hmm. and picking up clients. Picking up clients. Y'all remember that TV show, The Pickup Artist? You remember that? No. no. Oh, dude. Do you guys you remember? That? I think it was like it was it MTV or something like that. Dude, he's. 23 and, He's and not, there was some dude because i because it was like this guy that was teaching these other guys how to like pick up girls and the dude that they had as like the the pro dude had like a purple hat with like leopard around it like literally looked like a pimp out of a cartoon they call it peacocking yeah and literally like th this guy i'm like there's no way any female ever thinks it's that that's attractive but apparently they've labeled this dude and he's teaching these other guys like big old hoop earrings and like all these things. And I'm like, that, that, that really works. I, so I'm interested. I'm, I'm going to read the game. to read the book. I'm going to read, keep, I'm gonna just, read. Just make sure you, you know, David, how did you we get there? Do audio books. So I don't have that on my nightstand. Yes. <laughs> how did we get there? Uh, we're trying to land the plane here and you're, you're taking us back up for another. Oh trip. man. You know me, man. You're taking you us back to 30,000 feet. Uh, uh, I, I, I do want to end with this question for you. Yes. 
Somebody's sitting here listening to this story. They're in the heat of the moment right now. They're in a dark place and they're like, maybe not the exact same, but they're in something right now that they're struggling with. What's your encouragement to that person who's sitting here listening to this going through it? Very good question. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess what I've always do has done is just to push through, honestly. Um, but I, what I've learned to do is maybe answer with the first thought that I had. So the first thought that I had when you asked me that was was really, I, I thought about the guy I mentioned earlier in the nursing home. I, I don't know why that is the first thought that I had. But I guess the idea behind that being that life is short, really. And and that there are, there, there always seems to be someone watching you. And, you know, like when you introed at the very beginning, I, I didn't realize the effect maybe that even at that time that I was having on you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, push through whatever adversity mm-hmm. is potentially there because two reasons. One, someone is watching that mm-hmm. and you might be helping them, yes. right? And two, and I think we all can see over the last two years that really life is short. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I actually yesterday I spoke to somebody, uh, 80, he's 80 years old, and just in random conversation and he says to me, just yesterday I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. And, and I said, well, so I'm turning 40 this year. And I said, I feel closer to 20 than mm-hmm. I do to 50. Yeah. Right? But somehow I've gotten to that point. And he said, you know what? At 50, it speeds up. Mm-hmm. And and so that, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a very good answer, but that's no. what comes Oh, that's no. good. That's, that's good, good because when we're in these challenging, hard times – feels like we're going to be there forever. Right. And when you were in the NICU, did you ever think about your son being 11? How far off did your son being 11, playing baseball, yeah. doing all that? How far off did that seem? It seemed like you'd be in that NICU probably forever. forever. Yeah. It and seemed he, like we'd be there forever. Yeah. So so what it is is you, it was just one more day. One more mm. day. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What a lesson. One more day. No better way to end it than that, man. Thank you again for coming in. Thank you guys. Well, I have to have you back on. I know it was hard to get you in. You're a busy man. But yeah, I was going to say, I think he uh, now he's got to go to school. Yeah. He's going back to the nursing home. Yeah. And then, he's yeah. waking up at 145. Yeah, then, then he's feeding yeah. the homeless, and then he's going home for a 30-minute cat nap. And then. No, Travis. we'll do it again. Thank yeah, you. Man. Yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate you, you, man. And uh, best of luck to you and the family, man. I enjoyed this. And Thank you. It was fun. It was fun hearing a lot of your story because we, we joked about it a lot. But, man, there's there's a lot of similarities, man. And, uh, and there's there was a lot of hard times, I'm sure. But that's why you're doing what you're doing. 100%. So yeah. Thank there's you. a reason that God put you through those things. Yeah. I mean, all the way back to childhood because I think he intended for you to impact people. It sounds like that's what you're doing. Thank you. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, guys.